October. It is? Yep. Is that good? Well, it's all a matter of perspective. Do you like horror movies? Sometimes, yeah. Do you like listening to podcasts that talk about the horror movies that they watch? Not usually, but uh, uh, I'll give it a try. And it's a bad month for you. <gasps> Why? Uh, well, this is Ghoul School, part the 8th. Part the 8th. What is that in the uh, chronology? What's our subtitle? Uh, I, I guess that would be like, we're, we're taking Manhattan. We're taking Manhattan. This is the Takes Manhattan episode? Yeah, I guess so. Nobody told me. Well, it is now. Now you're in the know. Well, you, ne- you never tell me anything. Well, and you, you, you didn't even spook it up with some spooky names. You could have been like, yo, this is the mayor of Spook City, J-Dog, coming at ya. So, this is Jarrett Demon King Duncan. There you go. There you nice. Go. Yeah. And I will be the mayor of Spook City. RJ Baylog. Spookenstein. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty uh, and for newcomers, uh, this is our annual tradition of doing these off the cuff episodes covering all the horror movies that we're watching uh, on top of our regular Criterion Creepin'. Why is that? Um, because no one episode can contain all the creeping, the, the supreme creeping, the horror creeping. Yeah, this is some uh, king level creeping. So, uh, supreme, uh, you know, whatever, you, however you want to slice it. This is, this is the top of the line, baby. Yeah. Uh, I think people can go back to some of the old episodes. We we actually tried that first year. We talked about like books, about history. We we did all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then now, well, we, we I saw the listenership for those episodes and realized mm-hmm. that uh, the vast majority don't care. But hey, we've got like a whole bunch of new listeners this year, so who knows? Yeah. Well, hopefully, if any of them like it, they'll go back and listen to those old ones because, like I said, those first ones we actually tried pretty hard. We we put effort in at the time. We put effort in. Yeah. Here, here we are, two years later, and uh, we realize it doesn't matter. Effort doesn't matter. You're not rewarded for these things in life. So mm-hmm. just fucking do what you want to do. Do it for yourself. Um, mm. yeah. He's talking about that intrinsic motivation. Some say that's uh, it's not a real thing. Yeah. You know, to do things just for the sheer joy of it. Or for you, the uh, the pain. Mm-hmm. Real Hellraiser style. We did have a halfway mark this year because we did do a, uh, a special on, uh, uh, right. on our, our full mooning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going through the works of uh, producer Charles Band, also a director, writer, and uh, talking about those uh, great, great pieces of film craft like Puppet Master, Subspecies, uh, what Puppet ha- Master what, Six, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. That wasn't uh, planned though. That was uh, because there was some some weird phenomenon that happened, and uh, it was a, a full moon. The water was tainted. Someone poisoned the watering hole, Jarrett. 
the reservoir and uh something bad happened and it forced our hand to do that episode so that wasn't that wasn't something we wanted to do but um i don't know i wonder if that episode does good uh who's to say who's to say uh who's to say but that actually had a theme this is a formless creature uh what you're gonna be listening to if you haven't already Mm -hmm. tuned out uh and i don't know i I think we should just get this thing going though because uh you you got an actual creep to watch after this this is true. This is true. So why don't we just, hey, Jared, why don't we just get going? Because uh, these, these are long enough as it is. Okay? What, what a great suggestion. So, yep. RJ. What's up? Where do you want to begin? What you been creeping on? Ooh, a lot. Uh, I am at the, I think we're actually, this is officially, I guess at midnight tonight, this will officially be the halfway part for uh, Creeptober. Yeah, I guess technically it was at noon today. Noon today. Yeah. Okay, well, I got time wrong, but whatever. Uh, so we are officially at the halfway mark, which is appropriate. Uh, I wouldn't say apropos because that's uh, pretentious. <laughs> uh, but so on my Creeptober list, uh, I have 69 movies. Nice. And uh, I am at 44%. So I am just about halfway through my list. Falling short like usual. Uh, I have... Th- 31 movies done already. What do you have, like 40? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm not that far back. Um, anyways, so I've talked about a few uh, on the creep proper, but uh, I'll, I'll hit you with hit you with some other ones, and I'm just going uh, chronologically. First up, Jared, I got what we call a 90s pick. This is some 90s sweat, baby. This has got all of the major players. We're talking Jared Leto. We're talking Tara Reed. We're talking Joshua Jackson. That's right. Pacey himself. He's here. He's got bleach blonde hair. And he's feeling great. Uh, so I watched a little film called Urban Legend from oh. 1998. Um, somehow this one escaped me. Uh, I'm sure I've seen parts of it like on TV when I was younger, like on Showtime or something like that. But uh, I saw this in I, theater and I remember nothing about it except for there's like a fencing mask, right? Is that the guy? Is he wearing like... Mm, no, I think you're thinking of co- a different movie. Isn't that the cover? <laughs> no. Nope. Hmm. No, you're you're thinking of a totally different movie. Are you thinking about that like Bones movie with the cult? I have no no. <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> nope. I have an idea of what you're talking about, but this isn't it. The cover is like it's broken glass with all the characters and there's like an eye behind it. Hmm. So I don't know what you're talking about. You're okay. you're nuts. We'll continue. Anyways, uh so this is Pinnacle nineties uh action. Um you got Robert England in here as a, a university prof- professor. And at this university, Jared, uh, students are starting to die. But that's not all. Students are starting to get picked off in the fashion of Urban Legends. Oh, see, I'm thinking of Urban Legends Final Cuts cover. That has, But there's no fencing in this movie. That doesn't even make sense. Well, it's like a fen- the mask is kind of like a fencing mask. <laughs> but, but there's no fencing in this movie. That doesn't make sense. Because I was thinking of another poster. Okay. I don't know what you're thinking of, but it's not this. All right? Urban Legends Final Cut. <laughs> Is that a totally different movie? It's a sequel. <laughs> oh, okay. Con- well, continue. whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, well, so people start dying in uh, Urban Legend fashion. You got like make out point with uh, the hook in the door. You know, things like that. 
Uh, it's all re- revolving around these kids, these college co-eds. You have uh, each of them that fit a certain type. You have the girl who's pretty smart and she doesn't really fit in and she's just trying to get by. You have the party dude played by Michael Rosenbaum. That's Lex Luger from the Smallville series. Mark's uh, Luger, huh? Yep. Um, I'm just going to keep flying with that. Uh, Jared Leto is the journalist, uh, budding journalist on campus. Joshua Jackson's just a guy. So they're all there. Uh, Robert England is their urban legends professor. He uh, tells tales about urban legends and things like that. There's a fun demonstration about uh, drinking Coke and eating Pop Rocks at the same time and how it will explode your body. Um, Can you believe it? So anyways, these kids are getting picked off and eventually you find out that it is uh, someone who has a grudge against one of them uh, because of something that they did that was urban legendy. So the killer is getting revenge on them because of that. Uh, it's not a bad idea. Um, I watched this uh, because I like the I like these 90s like thriller horror movies. Um, they're, they're pretty fun. And uh, this also counts as my Brad Dourif pick. Uh, he played a thankless role in this at the start as stuttering gas station attendee <laughs> trying to warn uh, the woman that there was a man in the back seat of the car. Yeah. Um, I mean, even for this, like he's in this movie for a hot minute and he's the best part of this movie hands down because you're like, man, Brad Dourif is so good. Look at him. He's in the shitty movie and, he, you know, he's he's trying his best, Jared. He's giving it his all. He's really out there. So this is a good Brad Dourif pick, even though he's only in it for like a minute. Um, it's not a bad idea. Uh, I love the 90s stuff. Um, there's some really funny like 90s internet chat room things. Uh, so one of the characters is a goth girl and she has uh, leather pillows and like black sash like covering her bed and stuff like that. And she's always like having sex, Jarrett, because she's a goth. Uh, and and she goes slut. on and a slut. Uh, she goes on the internet and just types into uh, a forum, gothic girl on campus looking to hook up. Uh, and I thought that was really fun. I was like, oh, what a neat little thing. Um, what was I talking about, Jared? I don't know. Uh, so anyways, it's it's okay. It's not, like, I mean, it's not a good movie. Um, no one would watch it and be like, oh, man, Urban Legend. What, like, a remarkable piece of horror cinema. It's not like held in the same regard of like say final destination which i think is probably a a far better movie but it's it's fun enough like there's some good 90s stuff the only thing i will say is uh there is some uh gratuitous animal violence in this uh you don't see it but uh someone does put a dog in a microwave which uh, i was not on board with and it it comes out of nowhere so that sucks but uh, that's urban legend do you have anything to say about the that fun little movie yeah uh now that you say, I do remember Robert Englund being in this because that would be a red herring, I'm thinking. Yes. Yep, because you're like, oh, man, he was Freddy Krueger. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then you're supposed to think, oh, I bet you he's the killer because you're stupid. But It's uh, the same with Brad Dourif at the start. Yeah. So, yeah, I've seen this. Don't remember a thing about it. Uh, I was the target audience being in junior high when this and Scream and Final Destination and uh, teaching Mrs. Tingle and stuff like that. All those. Excuse me? Teaching Mrs. Tingle. What is that? It's a movie. Like, look at it. No, up. it's not. It is. It is all part of this wave. I mean, you've already watched The Faculty this year too, right? So I did. Uh, now you got to watch the Scream. You got to watch Scream: Final Destination. I think for the end of the uh, month. They're on the they're on the line. I'm going to watch them, but uh, I don't know when. Teaching Mrs. Tingle. 
Helen Mirren is in this fucking thing? Yeah. Jeffrey Tambor? What the hell? Yeah, man. This doesn't sound like a real movie, you but all right, mil- whatever. You millennials. What, is it a horror movie? It's like a what, it, mm, thriller, kind of on the edge of slasher, I guess, kind of. Mm, all right. Uh, I'll check it out. Or No, I'm not saying check it out. I'm just saying it's like it's one of these types of movies. You got to watch Valentine or something as well then. I will file it under Jarrett Picks. <clears throat> oh, fuck. And then uh, there's one, too, that I want to watch. Uh, I've seen some people kind of have some weird affinity toward Valentine, but there's also this mm-hmm. one called Cherry Falls, uh, which I've also seen some people mm-hmm. talk about. But I guess that movie got kind of uh, butchered because uh, we don't get the real cut, the juicy cut. <gasps> With all the, the alleged amazing gore that, of course, these movies always get this like reputation for having, but then when it gets revealed, you go, "Oh, that was it, huh?" But mm. I think um, Valentine was the same director of uh, Urban Legend. But I'm not going to look it up, but I'm just going to say, yeah, you state, state things as facts. Yeah, I'm going to say That's it with uh, very presidential of you. Yeah, I do what I can. You want to hear about Castle Freak, Jared? I absolutely would love to hear about Castle Freak. So this is a movie that you watched a couple years ago. Uh, I think you maybe talked about it on the pod. Uh, uh, this I is talked from... about it in the Full Moon episode. And oh. I probably, yeah, yeah, see, only a few months ago. It... Yeah. Well, I don't listen when you talk. Well, I, I do, uh, I do like clear. lots of other stuff. Uh, yeah, you're right. I am pretty cool. Um, so anyways, I watched this movie, Castle Freak, uh, a full moon uh, entertainment movie. Uh, our old friends, Charles Band. Uh, but this one is brought to you by our actual friend, Mr. Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, horror um, master, I guess people could say. A pioneer. A pioneer, yes. Uh, I like Stuart Gordon. You like Stuart Gordon. He's made some cool movies. Um, Castle Freak is, I think, we never really talked about it. Is it loosely like a Lovecraft story? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I ta- we didn't talk about it, but I did. Uh, yeah, it's like it's kind of based on the one short story, The Outsider, I think. Mm-hmm. And so the original story, uh, from what I remember reading about it, because it's actually one of the very first Lovecraft stories I ever read uh, in a collection I bought at Smith books or Cole books way back in the day. It's like a guy and he's all told from his perspective, like kind of like making his way around inside of a dungeon mansion sort of thing. And then he mm-hmm. kind of like comes out through a wall during like a party or something like that. And then everyone's like horrified, but then he like comes across a mirror and he sees himself as this, like he doesn't, he doesn't recognize what a mirror is, but he is just he sees a castle freak. Yeah. He's a castle freak. He's a pale white gaunt sort of monstery looking thing but he's like oh, i can't believe oh. it the idea is like it's all in the beholder's eyes and he doesn't know what a mirror is isn't that fucked up i, ha- I have this weird thing where it's like you're describing this thing that i'm looking at over the skype right now mm-hmm. it's bizarre this like weird pale pasty looking like flabby thing and it's it is in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. so anyways castle freak Jared. this is uh a really mean, cruel movie. How about that uh, dick stump? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> How about those so, barses? <laughs> this movie is like it's so grimy and it's so mean and it's like just it's hateful. Uh, so you have Castle Freak; he's in the castle and he gets beat up a lot, and then he like gets out and like causes his own trouble. And it's like everything that happens in this movie, you're just like Jesus. You're like I feel bad for him for these other people. For everything. It's just like unrelenting, uh, horrible things happening. 
everybody. Um, Castle's freak, I think, is actually pretty spooky uh, when you look at him because uh, he's just like like flesh that's like kind of layered up. Like it's kind of droopy, but it's also like stacked. And he's got lots of nubs. Like uh, Jarrett just pointed out, a dick nub, uh, which is unfortunate. And he's got like a hair lip, like all well, all on the side. Uh, he's pretty spooky looking. A little John. Pretty, okay, he's got a kind of a John Merrick type of deal going on. John Mayer, the uh, Mer- singer. Merrick. Oh, the Elephant Man. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Um, yeah, he does a little bit, not as bumpy, I no, guess. No, he doesn't but, have uh, the protrusions on the uh, head. He doesn't have that yeah. elephantine thing going on. Yeah. So I like Castle Freak. Uh, I think it is a, a very effective horror movie because it made me uncomfortable. But I was like, there were times watching this where I was just like, Oof. like this is this is tough, tough watching. Like when he's with the prostitute oh, um, yeah. and you're just like, oh, my God. Uh, so there, there's times watching this where even I, a veteran creep, um, was just like, ooh. And this movie's a little rough at points. Um, there is a cat scene, mm-hmm. which uh, is unfortunate. Um, I'm going to mention every movie I've found that has had animal things in it. And if you don't like it, then tough. Uh, so there's cat thing. Um, the only thing I would say that uh, I wasn't like, or uh, not like a negative, but a little thrown off by is like sometimes Castle Freak is like running around and the music, like the score in this is like kind of upbeat. It's like boom, 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 boom. It's always the Seinfeld thing, uh, but but it is. It's like an upbeat tune, and you're like, this doesn't really match with what's going on here. Like if they had like a dark, ominous, uh, mysterious tone going, it'd be like, oh yeah, that would that would really uh, elevate the atmosphere and the mood here. But uh, no, that's not what uh, Charles Band's brother does. I think Richie, Richie Band. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, Castle Freak's pretty rad. It is a very mean movie. Yeah. So mean. Uh, yeah, this was a, when I rewatched this, that was for the second time. The first time I watched it, I was kind of like, meh. I was kind of looking for more from Stuart Gordon. But when mm-hmm. I watched this in the context of Full Moon Entertainment, uh, this is, to me, the pinnacle of the, like, Full Moon uh, mm-hmm. per, like entire catalog like there's like this movie's so much better than everything else um the other one i lent you that you haven't got to i guess yet is the pit and the pendulum which i think mm-hmm. is like number two um where it's just like you can see they had a little bit more money and Stuart gordon is just like that much better of a director than everybody else that uh oh, yeah. worked under there so yeah i mean uh yeah i think like probably in terms of other movies castle freaks like fine but like in the context yeah. of full moon it's amazing and yep, yeah, the, 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 the grimness and filthiness, uh, Dick Stump and Jeffrey Combs mm. uh, and getting Barbara Crampton, your favorite actress. Yeah, Crampton. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's good. It's got a good vibe. And like, oh, yeah, oh, there's like a bedsheet action when uh, when Castle Freak's wandering around. He does that. don a, a sheet for a yeah. while. It's no, pretty, that's what I mean. Like Castle Freak is pretty spooky. Like he's a pretty, pretty spook city type of guy. He could be the mayor. Um yeah, no, he, he looks great. Like he wraps a sheet around where you can, it's just like kind of an eye poking through. And then like the part where his mouth is, is always like wet and like see through because he's like so slobbery. It's a, it's a good, good look. A great aesthetic, Jared. Mm. Yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, you watch any movies or what? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk some. Uh, my first one we'll talk about tonight here is The Blood Beast Terror. 
So he's got a few different names. Uh, what you need to know, though, is it has old Peter Cushing. He is a, a detective on the case. Uh, there's some some action going down. Uh, dudes are having their blood sucked out of their bodies. And, from where? Uh, from their neck, I guess. So Not you, the butts, you, though? Not their butts. But we all know it's like, uh-oh, vampires. <gasps> so, is it, though? But is it, though? And the answer to that is no. It, it's, it's far more... Uh, Spit take in, inventive, I suppose, because it's actually a moth person. Spoiler: a moth. It's a giant moth mutant. Um, Is this like Mothman prophecies, or no? It, this actually has a moth person in it, mm. as opposed to the Mothman prophecies, which is just has Richard Year doing stuff. What was this movie called? The Blood Beast Terror. It's got okay, couple, I'll check it out. It's got some other names too. That's the one that um, the Redemption Films Blu-ray goes by. But if mm-hmm. you look it up, so this movie—it's uh, period piece, you know, your uh, 19th century British things, uh, very Hammer films. It's from uh, Tygon Productions, which was like another one of those uh, small little British outfits that were trying to capitalize on what Hammer was doing back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's like, hey, we'll get the actors that are working for the competition to work in our movies because they're not paying them a guarantee and these guys will take money wherever it takes them. Uh, Peter Cushing does a fine job being Peter Cushing, doing what he does, mm-hmm. uh, bring some gravitas to these ridiculous films about moth people. And uh, you're always wondering why are only men being targeted? <laughs> but it's like, so it's a moth lady. Uh, so you get like a couple of shots of like wickedness of like moth people. Uh, and they're like, that's cool. I mean, it's kind of like a Mothra but like a person that's standing in front of you. That's a cool uh, idea. Yeah, hey, what? you threw me off because uh, the Blood Beast Terror is the alternative title. It is more commonly known on Letterboxd as the Vampire Beast Craves Blood. Yeah, well, that's not what my Blu-ray says. Well, I'm just, uh, I had a problem finding it and uh, I feel like other people would too. So figure it out. And well, then come back. If you look that up on Amazon to purchase this legitimately, you will not have a lot of good time doing that. Hmm. Okay, well, anyways, continue. Uh, moths are cool. Moths are cool. Uh, this is fine. This is just like, as I've talked about before in the last couple of years, uh, usually with Hammer Horror movies and the like, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of disappointment, you know? It's kind of like with uh, Universal Horror films too. People like to overhype these things. I was just mm-hmm. listening to an interview with somebody I think it was like that uh, Andrew Kevin Walker guy, and they were talking mm-hmm. about the Wolfman uh, script that he like apparently worked on at one point, and uh, he like just disowned it and never watched the movie. And uh, mm-hmm. the guy interviewing him was like, oh, "I really like Wolfman stuff like that." And <laughs> uh, Andrew Kevin Walker was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I love those Universal guys. I love them." It's like do people always say that, but do they actually like these movies a great deal? Like, I mean. I don't know. You watch mm-hmm. them. It's like, yeah, there's some like bona fide classics in there, but uh, I don't know. On the whole, it's like, yeah, all well, those movies are just kind of sleepy, middling, like not even great 30s movies. There's like way better movies coming along at the time. They were mm-hmm. just kind of kept like doing variations of like, well, how about The Son of Dracula? How about the son of Frankenstein? How about the house right. of the house of the mummy and the mum, the mummy's curse and invisible agent? <laughs> like, uh, you know, you're only talking about like three or four good movies. Uh, mm. And I'll be controversial. I don't think the Wolfman's good at all. I think that movie is actually real boring, but um, maybe I need the to Wolfman? rewatch it. The Wolfman. The original Wolfman? Original Wolfman. What about Benicio Del Toro's Wolfman? Uh, I, I don't know. 
Have you ever seen that? I did not. That, but uh, you I'm, should I'm, watch I'm, it. I'm like Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, I didn't. I, I I worked on the screenplay, and I don't want to watch it. Mm. You should. How about? Do you ever see that Van Helsing? Remember that? Uh, yeah, I love that movie. Well, I love Hugh Jackman. I saw that movie in theater. I didn't mind it at the time, but it <laughs> seems like people really hate that movie. Uh, like, real, uh, like it's got some real like strong uh, hatred toward it. But the best thing that came out of it was all those uh, Universal horror movies came out uh, on DVD because of it, and like they were like these sweet packs uh, yeah. for years and years. The only way to get them, like a lot of these movies, was that way. But now there's like super cheap Blu-ray super packs that have like mm-hmm. 39 movies on them for like 50 bucks. Yeah. So I was gonna say, uh, my mom got me that movie as a stocking stuffer for Christmas, and it was really cool because it was Van Helsing, but it came packed uh, packaged with. DVD copies of Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy and the Wolfman, um, like all together in the pack. And I was like, I was like, man, that's pretty rad. Yeah. You go Van Helsing. But, so yeah. What, that, what were that, we on about? Uh, that was me editorializing about, uh, these, uh, horror franchise brands that kind of have a stat status bigger than I think that they actually deserve, but mm. whatever. Um, so I watched, kind of speaking about universal horror movies, I watched a mm. Mexican horror film. Uh, a number you usually do that. The Witch's Mirror. Hmm. So this movie, this is, uh, last year I kind of picked up a few of these uh, Casa Negra uh, movies that uh, this company called Panic House put out before they went out of business. They only managed to put out like, seven or eight of these things uh, of all these like Mexican horror movies from like the sixties and stuff like that, that Mm -hmm. like were actually being released with English subtitles and their original Spanish uh, audio, which was like a real treat because for the most part, a lot of this stuff to this day, um, you only get uh, Mexican audio, no subtitles. uh, And that's it. You can't watch this stuff unless someone does the work and transcribes it for you. Did you say Mexican audio? Yeah. Do you mean Spanish? Well, I'm just like, like there's Spanish and then there's lower uh, and common. Blah, 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 I'm, blah. I'm just messing with you, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, so, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. So Mitch's mirror, uh, with Mitch's mirror here. <laughs> Mitch's? Mitch's weirer. Uh, uh, I really uh, derailed you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> keep going. We can stop. No, keep going. <laughs> uh, Witch's mirror is just like, again, I feel like in Mexico, they watched a lot of universal horror stuff and they loved those mm. movies a great deal. I mean, there's like that big famous Spanish Dracula. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think they just like wanted to make these movies over and over and over again. And then they wound up making like these Santa, uh, or Santo wrestling. Sangria? Santo, uh, okay. the, the Mexican guy, El Santo, the angel, whatever him as a wrestler fighting werewolves and vampires and mummies mm. and stuff like that. That sounds but, cool. But Aztec mummies. But this is kind of a step in a different direction because it's just mm. bah, Bajas or whatever, Bajas, the, the witches. And they're, uh, well, this is just a story of one witch that's messing with a rich guy who's a real asshole. It's, it's some real EC Comics type of action uh, where a guy wants to get married to a new thing, so he... Uh, poisons and kills his current wife uh, and the housekeeper is a witch and has seen this happen and decides to plot revenge uh, playing the long game through magic mirrors and stuff like that. Uh, This movie's got some really nice visuals, uh, some Mm -hmm. like bandaged up people. 
which is always awesome. Uh, I remember, I think maybe it was even like last year. I remember I like, coming across this movie and I just loving the, uh, the great juxtaposition of some of the subtitles with the images of this movie. I'm just, I believe in nothing with this like hideously bandaged up person with their hands up to their faces and stuff like that. And I'm like, those just are great images that stand out by themselves. Uh, usually attached to movies that are like average kind of just like movies that are inoffensive, but like not super entertaining. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just, just like, I don't know. There's a staginess and kind of like soap opera quality to some of these uh, performances of these uh, Mexican horrors that I've watched. But mm-hmm. uh, you're kind of there just to kind of wait till you get those really good visuals that come along every once in a while. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, other than like a couple screen grabs, uh, I rate this three out of five. <laughs> mm. um, so you mentioned movies about like luchador wrestlers fighting monsters like the Wolfman. Do those exist in Mexico? Say that again? Did you say that there was like wrestling luchadors fighting monsters like the yeah. mummy and the wolfman uh, yes Are you, yes can you find these movies uh yeah they're out and there. uh send them my way there's a there's they're on youtube too is that what the shape of water is about uh you wish a water-based luchador fighting a gill man yeah see doesn't that sound a lot better than the best picture winner of uh last year yeah but that sounds a lot better than i think 50 percent of the best picture winners so yeah well, I think that sounds pretty cool, actually. Mitch's mirror. Mitch sounds like a spooky guy. Yeah, watch out for Mitch. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to you. Oh, okay. I didn't know what you were doing there. Uh, I'm uh, I'm already going to abandon our plan that uh, we talked about. So I'm going to, since you were talking about universal stuff, why don't I talk about some hammer stuff? Do it. Um, so each year I like to do, throw in uh, a couple hammer pictures. I'm almost done Frankenstein and Dracula and, uh, some of the other series I've dabbled. Uh, so where I'm at in the Frankenstein series, I think this is like maybe the third one. Uh, Frankenstein created woman 1967 by Terrence Fisher. Uh, Terrence Fisher did like a billion of these fucking movies. He did the devil rides out which is the one that really counts. But uh, he did like the Hammers, Mummy, and Wolfman, and uh, I think one of the Draculas. Um, So in this movie, uh, we get Peter Cushing as Dr. Frankenstein again, uh, and he is resurrected. Um, And he's in a small town, and he has a older drunk doctor as an assistant, and uh, they have like a young man as a helper. And the young man lives in the town and he's kind of got a crush on uh, the local bars. Uh, uh, It's like the bar owner, uh, the shopkeeper, he's got a daughter and he's got a crush on her. She has like a big um, birthmark all over her face. So she always gets like bullied by um, the rich kids in the town, like the elite people who come and drink. They always like mess up the place and bully the lady. Uh, But that, that kid really likes her. Uh, and in Frankenstein created woman, what happened? Uh, I won't, there's not like, it's hard to talk about it without kind of like spoiling it a little bit. So I'll just, it, it doesn't matter. The uh, destination isn't the goal. It's, it's about the journey right here. So, uh, what happens is, uh, the, the local rich guys like, uh, rough up the place and they accidentally kill the shop owner and the young kid gets, uh, hit with the blame. So he gets executed and Frankenstein's like, oh, shit, we should take that body. And so they do. Uh, and then the shopkeeper's daughter, having lost her dad and the only boy who was nice to her, 
she throws herself uh, throws herself over off a bridge into the water and she drowns. And Frankenstein's like, "Ooh, shit, we should take her body too." So he does this. This movie is all about like capturing souls, uh, and he has like these two bodies at work, and he's working on the girl, and he's working on capturing souls. And what they do basically is they put they resurrect the girl. Uh, with the soul of the boyfriend in her body so it's she comes back and she doesn't really know who she is anymore uh, but she goes out and starts getting revenge on all of these people that like uh, that basically killed the like killed all these people so it's it's actually like it's pretty cool um I I thought it was I thought this was good uh it's not real good although i do see a lot of pretty high ratings so um i think i like i can't even remember the other frankenstein hammer movies uh so i think that's maybe a mark on this one where i think this one's better than my memory of those other ones at least but uh, this one's actually pretty cool it's got some cool images in it like uh when they frankenstein uh monster up the lady she's all wrapped in bandages in like a cocoon and they like cut it from the top and like crack it like an egg and it just kind of like opens up like a like a cocoon uh that's really rad uh there's some cool there's some cool like uh build-ups to uh murder scenes uh, i got some snaps uh i'll put them out on the instagram or something maybe but uh, this movie actually had some cool images and i i did i like the story i thought it was neat it was a little different from like some of the normal ones. Uh, and it's, it's like a rape revenge movie without the rape, which, uh, I like quite a bit because I always think that's like a a shitty thing. So, uh, Frankenstein created woman was actually pretty neat. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one or not. I have not. Yeah. Does it, uh, sound enticing to you? Uh, I'll watch it someday. Cause I, I'm also kind of like watching through these, uh, hammer horrors, I guess, but, I have less enthusiasm about them on the whole. Because um, usually they're just kind of like, you know they're just going to be okay. They're not going to be bad. But I always feel like I'd rather roll the dice on something blindly. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. So it's kind of like you were saying with the Universal films where it's like, it seems like people's love for them is better than what, what the actual movie is. Mm-hmm. I think Hammer sometimes fits in that too. I think yeah, uh, totally. You know, movie uh, lives up to the hype, even though I don't think anyone hypes this up at all, other than maybe me. Uh, Dracula AD 1972. Uh, this came out in 1972, Jared. What? I, I now do. Uh, this was directed by Alan Gibson, not Terrence Fisher. Uh, he did one other Hammer Dracula, Satanic Rites. And uh, he's got a bunch of like uh, horror movies. Um, so we got Christopher Lee as Dracula. Peter Cushing is there as Van Helsing. Um, this one starts, and it's kind of like the end of the uh, the previous Hammer movie. And uh, you have Van Helsing killing Dracula. And it's like, cool. And then you get a time lapse, and there's like some planes in the air. And then it's like Dracula, AD 1972. So they time jump to the 70s, and it's like, ooh, shit. That's pretty hot. Um, what you have is... A really groovy movie with like satanic kids that are like playing around and you have this uh this little kid named alucard jared what pay attention to this uh and he is obsessed with dracula and like satanic cult stuff and uh he's working at uh doing a, a full resurrection 
of Dracula. So he gets all his friends out there. One of the friends happens to be the great, great, great granddaughter of Van Helsing. So there's like a blood thing there where it's like the man who killed or the bloodline that killed Dracula. So they're, they do this seance and they uh, spill some blood and he kills a person and uh, Dracula's back, baby. It's Christopher Lee. He's in the seventies. It's groovy. It's disco Dracula. Uh, I actually like this movie quite a bit. Um, uh, the rest that happened, like not much else comes of it. Like they kind of go back and forth and figure out he's Dracula and then go get him. And you you know the rub. Um, I actually thought this movie was uh, really cool. It had some awesome uh, like setups and uh, some really cool imagery where uh, I, I took some pictures and I think I put those on. I think I put those on our Instagram. Maybe not. I, I don't remember. I don't believe Maybe so. on like Twitter. Uh, but it's got some awesome images of just like Christopher Lee doing cool stuff. Uh, I really like the music in this cause it's not like disco, but it's like, it's kind of upbeat and kind of funky and it really fits. Uh, I, I love the contrast between like, uh, all these like wild groovy colors, uh, like just like bright colors, uh, next to, uh, like this Alucard kid who's just like all in black and he's always really like depressed and angsty and he's just walking around. Uh, I thought it was cool. A, a nice little contrast strip. Hmm. Nice little contrast. Yeah, uh, so I haven't seen this one, uh, but yeah, it's it definitely doesn't have a reputation of being good from my uh, understanding it, of it historically. <laughs> no, it it doesn't. That's what I mean. So I don't know. Like maybe I went into it and I just wasn't expecting much, and then I was like, "Ooh, shit! Have you, pretty cool." I can't remember if you actually have you watched the Blackula stuff yet. The, I've seen the first Blackula, okay. uh, which was pretty rad. But uh, no, I have not. Uh, seen scream black blackula scream oh, that, that's that's the best one yeah so uh one day one day either mm-hmm. all right well, why don't you tell me about some of the cool movies you watched this week <laughs> well since we're on this uh train of britishness uh i've got another uh, film from the redemption films line uh that i've got a few of these movies that i've bought and haven't watched yet so i'm changing all that this month uh some mm-hmm. number called killer's moon uh, you were mm. talking about how Frankenstein created woman was kind of like a rape revenge without the rape. Well, yeah. this movie is about rape and, oh, uh, God. some mental, some mental patients from an insane asylum escape. And mm. they come across a bunch of stranded schoolgirls who are staying at this like mansion thing. Um, mm. it's made by this Australian dude. Uh, I was like, kind of like half watching this movie there was like nothing about it that like captured my attention really at all uh except for when things started getting uh hot and heavy and and, and weird and i was like oh because like I, i'd seen on letterbox uh the people who i follow who have seen this film they're they're mm-hmm. not fans they, they in fact have some strong opinions about how much they just like this film and mm-hmm. i don't know when i watched i was kind of like i don't know folks sometimes you guys like movies that are the exact same as this but you've all decided you like it just as much um mm-hmm. and it's just like kind of a kind of boring kind of European horror film that like is sure 70s looking but uh, not a whole heck of a lot happens I've seen some people describe it as kind of like a clockwork orange knockoff but uh, I don't know why other than it's like oh it's got some guys wearing derbies and there's like a fat one (laughs) like okay how fat Uh, averagely big fat but not like hilarious fat you know what I'm saying 
Yeah. I do know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like one questionable line about like after one uh, girl has been raped, uh, another one tells her it's okay. Uh, we're not going to tell anybody, and one day you'll get married and have kids, and then you'll be okay, <laughs> and you'll be okay, and you'll be worthwhile. So is that all it takes? Uh, yeah. Oh, according to Killer's Moon, uh, oh. I I don't recommend <laughs> you watch it. Or most people. Or anyone else? Yeah, it's, I mean, maybe you'll get there one day, but uh, I'm sure there's a lot of movies along the way that you could watch instead. Um, it sounds just like shit, Jared. I gotta like, be honest with you. There's there's nothing to recommend. There's like, I'm bringing it up just for the sake of, hey, I watched this, and you mm-hmm. probably don't need, you definitely don't need to. It's just there. Um, I guess you could say that the, the rape scenes are, classy they're not uh they're not the most overlong mm. uncomfortable ones they're kind of like perfunctory and you're like no well they're shooting it but it's over with quick it's like tearing off a band-aid i don't buy that at all not I, yeah, one bit just leveling with you all uh, mm. for more, actually, I had a whole bunch of British movies here in a row here. Uh, then I watched this made for TV film called Robin Redbreast. Um, uh, mm. have you ever heard this one up before on any lists that you've looked at? That's how I found out about it. It's, it seems to pop up here and there. Mm. I've never heard of such a thing. It's got ever. a, it's got a, the poster for it. They always use is the BBC DVD they put out of it. BFI, mm-hmm. or maybe it was BFI. BFG? Uh, BFG, that nice. big furry gun. Um, <laughs> so this Robin Redbreast, it's uh, black and white, and it is kind of came out in that window of time where everybody's like, hey, let's uh, let's do a Rosemary's Baby, which probably, uh... pro- it probably tells you too much uh, mm-hmm. just by saying that, but because uh, it doesn't bring attention to itself. It's a slow burn. It's about this uh, woman who's recently divorced and like she's like, oh, no one will ever want to sleep with me. I'm 35 years old, which is mm-hmm. funny. I'm like, I'm 35. And like, it, that's really not an issue. Uh, no one wants for, to for, sleep with you either, for, man. For, for, for most people around my age, they're like, yeah, they're fine. They're doing okay. But I guess people's concerns in the 70s uh, were... I don't know, very fearful of just dying alone. <laughs> but um Um Yeah, that's pretty scary. It's terrifying. Uh so anywho, it's this Robin Redbreast story. Mm-hmm. Uh this lady goes out to the country, uh she's got this old cottage that she's inherited, and it's a weird little community. Everybody's a little odd, you know, just the way that usually cult members are when they're doing things underhanded and being sneaky. That's that type of story. Mm. But it's like, again, it's the long play of them kind of doing things that you're not think, paying attention to at all because it's kind of present. It's it's a made for TV shot like like a television thing. It doesn't have like mm-hmm. a, a cinematic quality to it. It's very play like. Um, and then she meets the Robin Redbreast, who is a mm-hmm. dude who is like the handyman. Uh, when she meets him, he's out in the woods doing karate, mixed martial arty things, <laughs> kicking trees. So he's got this, nice. he's, he's got a sweet bod. He's kind of like a, a Chuck mm-hmm. Norris blonde dude who's just like, but he's like a total dopey dude who's just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, I'm the animal husbandry guy and uh, I want to move to Canada. <laughs> um, but like, he's like kind of like the pick of the litter in this town. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and of course you get these kind of weird sequences of like they go on they they go on a date at her house and he just wants to talk about World War II which is uh, a thing that some men do and it's like yep yeah, you know what women couldn't care less about in their life mm-hmm. World World War II in military history they couldn't give a shit about it um, so she's kind of yeah. like totally turned off by this like otherwise hunky guy but he's like totally dull and he's like but he wants to be like better than he is he like he had a little bit of college but he, he screwed up one test and he just didn't mm-hmm. go beyond that but he wants to be like you know more sophisticated the girls in town are like just below him um, but like on his way you know going out uh leaving this bad date he gets jumped and beat up by uh, a couple of hooligans for some reason mm-hmm. um and then some weird sounds start happening around the house and uh within an hour old robin redbreast regains uh consciousness and comes to her rescue and then they then they kind of hit it off and they have a they have some sex. There's some. Uh, uh, excuse me. They, they have some of that sex with the uh, oh. without, without the condoms, I guess. And uh, um, so, soon enough, she's she's got a uh, she's got a baby in her. Oh, I was gonna say, how do you know that it was without a condom? Because well, she's she's preggers, and uh, and then of course things start getting weirder, and you're kind of like, what's going on? Oh, I've seen this movie before. And uh, mm. it's like it's like oh the phone lines aren't working oh the bus just like doesn't pick her up which is like that's weird and like doesn't that like worry you but like if you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have your own car it's like what are you supposed to do and uh, it just kind of like, it's like not a very it's only like an hour and fifteen minutes mm-hmm. and it builds and builds and builds and it gets into that uh, weird Britain kind of folk horror territory um, with sacrifices and other such. And, uh, yeah, I, it's pretty good. I've seen some people kind of go really out on a limb and talk about how this is like a total masterpiece. Um, I think mm. just from a production standpoint, you couldn't call it that. It's just like, it's too made for TV. Um, there, and there mm-hmm. is some like awesome made for TV stuff that's out there. Uh, you gotta be watching that gargoyles. And, uh, I, I forgot to lend you this, uh, your night stalker and uh night strangler. Cause those mm. are, those are dope. But uh, this is, like, good. Like, I liked it. It's got a really great kind of final shot that's like, whoa, i got to rewind that and see, mm-hmm. see that again. But, uh, yeah, it's it's good. Like, But, like I said, some people, I think, do uh, a disservice to things by, like, saying, this is five stars. When it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> this, this, come on. Credibility, folks. Uh, I think that movie's probably five stars, it sounds like. Uh, I'm more surprised that it wasn't uh, a mix between uh, Rosemary's Baby and like Little Red Riding Hood to get that Robin Redbreast kind of thing in there. It's like, you know, grim fairy tale type deals with a dude doing karate on a tree. Mm-hmm. Like the woodsman. That's, that's a pretty good find, though, to be doing a lot of that karate. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a hip movie, but uh, I don't think I will ever watch it. No, it's it's definitely a movie you'd have to go out of your way to track down. I won't. Yeah. You can stick with those hammer horrors. You got that Kung Fu yeah. Dracula coming up. Ooh, shit. I am pretty stoked for that. Uh, I like the hammer stuff. It's not always good, but uh, every once in a while you get a disco Dracula in uh, Dracula AD 1972. Just so people don't get mad at me, there is no disco Dracula in that movie. I just like to believe that it could happen gotcha yeah yeah is it my turn yeah go for it uh you want to hear about vampires 
the so, 70s sex movie and uh, vampires. Yeah, see, it's, it gets also very confusing because there's like so many vampires and vampire lesbos and uh, female vampire. Not, and, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's not vampire or lesbos. Uh, it's vampires uh, by Jose Ramon Juarez. Uh, I think you talked about one of this guy's movies sometimes. Symptoms? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you talked about that once. Uh, this is his 70s va- uh, lesbian vampire movie. Um, this thing gets some pretty hot buzz on Letterboxd. Let me tell you, Jared. I didn't watch this just because I'm a pervert. I mean, I did, but uh, it was blowing up. Um, the people I follow that watch this thing gave it some pretty hot star ratings. Uh, all it's about really is like there's these two lesbian vampires that live out in the countryside, like in England, I think. And whenever there's like tourists that pass by or motorists, they kind of like urge them off the road. It's almost like, uh, you know, in Raw, you, you you remember that French extreme movie that came out a year ago, Raw? Did that, you ever watch that? I, I did. I remember that uh, horror classic that no one talks about anymore. Yeah, you can find my review uh, on Letterboxd where I think I went into detail about why I think that movie is not actually a good movie. But uh, I digress. Um, So it's kind of like in Raw where in that movie someone like jumps out on the road so that the car will crash. They do that. So Hmm. uh, that lady uh, ripped off vampires um, because it's kind of like they're on the road as hitchhikers. But uh, what they do is they lure these people off and then once they kind of drain their blood, they cause a car accident and they'll like flip the car over and they'll put the the body back in. So it looks like the people kind of just like uh, got into a car accident. So they are living on the countryside uh, doing this. And then there's this part of the story that I don't really know where they were going with it, but they're, they have like, a male friend and he comes and gives them stuff and they like kind of feed off of him. And then they're friends with these other people and they kind of feed off of them too. And then the whole time there's like a a young couple in an RV in the area and you just always see them doing things. And then eventually it leads up to them like meeting each other near the end. Um, I think the last 20 minutes of this movie are pretty, pretty rad. Uh, like a lot of stuff happens in that last 20 minutes where you're like, oh shit, this is pretty cool. But the other two thirds of this thing, it's like 90 minutes or something. The other two thirds are pretty boring. And, uh, I think they're, they try to build up like a slow burn, but it, it really just comes off kind of dull. Like even the, like the sex scenes, I didn't think there was a whole lot to them. It's they're, they're like there. They're doing stuff, and then it's like, and then it's over. And then you have people like walking through a house. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a great house. Oh, is this the wine cellar? Oh, cool, wine cellar. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, cool. And like that, that's like, I don't know, 70 minutes of this movie. So I uh, I could have really done without all of that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, a lot of uh, European horror. <laughs> it's a lot of work just to get those lesbian scenes, uh, which... Uh, don't really happen that much. There's a lot of sex scenes between the lady and the guy, and uh, those are fine. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's when when I go out to watch uh, sex horror movies, Jarrett. Uh, this is not going to be one that I put back in rotation. Mm. Well, you, you need to talk to the horror sex guy. Me, I'll I'll, uh, I'll set you straight. Yeah, I know, I know. I have one other uh, horror sex movie lined up for 
this month uh, that I, I hope to get to soon. I also have some cheerleading movies I'll talk about later. Uh, but you know what just rings just right alongside lesbian vampires? Uh, being frozen alive on a ski, uh, ski chairlift. Oh. Yeah, I'm jumping around on you. I'm keeping you on your toes, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched Frozen from uh, 2010. From horror pioneer Adam Green? Is that, is that this guy's name? Yeah, so I I recognize that. Yeah, he he's the guy hatchet. who does all the Hatchet movies. Uh-huh. That Victor Crowley. He's, he's um, got that. Uh, he's got a podcast that people hate oh listen to. I guess. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I've never seen those Hatchet movies. I heard they're okay. Uh, but so I've heard of this Frozen movie for a while. Uh, the biggest thing I always heard about this was it's actually kind of good. And I was like, oh, is it? Because it looks like it wouldn't be. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it, it does look like it wouldn't be. But it's actually pretty good. And you're like, all right. Um, okay. So this movie is, I don't know if you remember, but a couple months ago I was at a wedding where we went on. Uh, the wedding was on top of the mountain and you had to take a ski lift like up to get there. It was like this. So uh, this is what I was thinking about when I was going up to that wedding, that fancy ski resort wedding. Um, in this movie, you have Iceman from the X-Men series. Yeah, that's right. Sean Ash something. Uh, what the fel- Sean Ashmore. Uh, you have a lady named Emma Bell. And you have another guy. No one cares about him. Uh, the big ticket here is Kane Hodder. That's right. Jason himself drives a snowplow in this movie for about three minutes. That's pretty cool. Uh, so what happens in this movie? You have uh, these two guys and this girl, and they're out skiing. And there's a bunch of setup before about how they don't have passes. It's a bunch of bullshit. It doesn't really matter. Just kind of fill in the time. Uh, what happens? It's about is, how do people fall through the cracks? Yeah, it's like, oh, how could this happen? How could they do it? But like, when you watch it, it's like, wait a minute. Them having ski passes wouldn't have. Uh, it wouldn't have made any difference to them talking their way onto the lift. Cause like, they're like, Oh, well we paid you a hundred bucks. We only went like three times. And that guy's like, so, uh, and they like sweet talk him, And he's like, all right, I'll let you on, I guess. But I was like, well, I think they could have did that even if they did have ski passes, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. So they go up on the ski lift and, uh, some, something happens and it gets shut off when they're like halfway through. And now they're about like, 25 30 feet off of the ground maybe not 30 like 20 feet off of the ground uh stuck on the ski lift and they're like what do we do do we jump off do we wait here and then it's like oh wait uh this was the last day of the week and no one's back here for another four or five days we'll be stuck here forever um so the movie is about them being stuck on the ski lift uh the one thing i found uh most distracting about this movie is how these people talk to each other they're super like frat boy uh, college bro. They're always like, oh, bro, did you like, uh, did you, you do that sick jump? It's like, yeah, man, it was wicked rad. Dudes is like hitting choice ass jumps, my man. And it, it's like that the whole movie. And you're like, ugh. It's almost like a uh, Instagram post. It It is. It is. I don't know who would ta- use that kind of language, but um, there's a lot of like that. And I was like, th- that's really distracting. Uh, this movie is not bad. Uh, it does have some pretty good moments where there's like, there's tense moments on the ski lift where like, oh yeah, that would be scary. Like, um, falling asleep on there and then waking up like frozen to the metal. You're like, oh shit, 
that's tight. Uh, and then there's stuff like that, like when the guy does jump off. One of the guys jumps off, and he just breaks both of his legs, and he's just like, ah! <laughs> he's like horribly mutilated. Uh, that part is pretty cool, too, um, because it's like, oh, shit. You're like, I guess you can't just jump off of this thing. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty effective. Uh, they do show a lot of like just leg bones sticking out of legs, and he's like crawling on the ground. He's like, it was a bad idea. Uh, you're like, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, I guess that's what people are talking about when they say this movie is pretty good. Um, but there's, I don't know, there, I don't think there's, uh, it's okay. It's, it's good enough. It, it doesn't it's rise not a, above. It's not a yeah. Or anything like that. Uh, it's got enough good parts that you can come out of it being like, yeah, that's pretty good. But it's got a lot of like the bro talk stuff. And then a lot of the downtime, they like try to do like a character thing where it's like the two people are relating to each other. They're like, you know, this is just like when I was bullied as a kid and it's just like, Oh shit. <laughs> it's like, Oh, was it really like when you were bullied as a kid and you're like, we don't need this. It's being like on the chairlift and being trapped into freezing to death with wolves. Yeah. And yeah. And like that too, like there's a wild pack of wolves and it's like, yeah, I know those animals are out there, but like the, uh, the constant pressure of these wild wolves, it's just, it's like, I don't know. This is a, a little bit past uh, where my my like uh, ability to d- like you know um, suspension of disbelief like will reach to. So, anyways, uh, Frozen's okay. It's okay. People who say it's uh, way better than you think, uh, I would tell them to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if this like I haven't really encountered a lot of people who are like uh, blown this movie up too much. Like I, I remember watching it, James Wall. Oh, no one cares what he has to say. Um, So, yeah, Frozen, I remember watching this, like, not that long after it came out. And I remember just liking it as, like, uh, I think I've talked about this before in previous episodes, too, about how what I like about watching a lot of horror movies sometimes is, like, it's like they have an idea. And you can see the idea Mm -hmm. in play where it's, like, one day Adam Green or the writer for this movie or whoever it was, they were, like, doing something elementary basic in their life and they looked at something and they went oh that's a cool idea for a movie and it's a simple idea like what what if you got stuck on a chairlift or they got stuck on a chairlift and they were like what if i was stuck here all like all weekend like and Mm -hmm. then it's just a thought experiment so that's like a lot of uh larry cohen movies are like that like that's one of the things i appreciate with his sort of things so that's like kind of this idea is it's kind of like i looked at something and i said well what if and then of course like the hope though is that like they get that initial idea and then they go somewhere mm-hmm. beyond that. But I mean, the idea itself is fairly restrictive. It's like, I'm not sure where, like other than like through, uh, uh, as we've been talking about artisanal film craft, uh, you know, you get that, uh, Mason jar cinematography, the, uh, the slow mm-hmm. roast lighting, uh, like wow. how, how do you really turn it up and like make something out of it? And it's like, I don't know if this idea lends itself to like, something beyond that like you get your uh, 127 hours which is like mm-hmm. re- re- real deal stuff really uh like like hey that's a really good movie frozen is gonna be at the end of the day oh my legs now i'm beaten by wolves <laughs> <laughs> oh it was a horrible idea it's almost like a will ferrell movie where it's like this is a horrible idea i never wanted salmon and you're like okay <laughs> Um, that part is cool when he breaks his legs, but, uh, yeah, no frozen frozen's all right. It's, it's a great idea and, uh, they do it well enough. It's just like, I don't know if there's enough of this to, it would have made like a super tight 40 minute tales from the crypt. 
no. <laughs> I, I, nope. I don't want to. I don't want to. Twenty minutes is too long for most Tales of the Crypt episodes. This is true. I know. I've got all seven seasons on DVD. Well, hook a brother up, brah. Hey, did you watch any more movies, or are you done? No, I I, I stopped watching movies. Good. Uh I I'm gonna go through four British films right now. I'm gonna do. Holy- I'm going to hit it hard. I'm not going to linger too long. So first up okay. here was a film called Secret Ceremony. That I thought was a horror movie, but it's mm-hmm. not really. So it's uh, directed by this guy named Joseph Losey. Uh, you might recall I talked about his movies back at the beginning of the year when I was watching mm-hmm. some film noirs. Um, yep. And uh, Secret Ceremony is in this one book, the Kira de la Janice book, uh, House of Psychotic Women. And it's got, I think on uh, another podcast, they're talking about how hilariously bad Robert Mitchum's beard is in this movie. Uh, Mm. But this movie, it's got Elizabeth Taylor, who I guess is playing a prostitute, and she is hired Mm. by this young woman, played by Mia Farrow, who wants her to play her mother and, like, live in the house with her and, like, play out, like, their, like, whatever life they were playing before. And it's, like, mm-hmm. about just, like, distortion of reality and uh, psychotic women and hysteria and intense drama. Uh, it's, like, from 68. So it kind of uh, uh, visually reminds me of ruling class. And we kind of talked mm-hmm. about this before where there's this, like, kind of window of time of, like, British filmmaking that has this very specific look to it. Um, when, when it's not, like, a Hammer movie, they're, they're kind of, like, these, like, experimental uh, movies that are, like, trying to... Uh, break through what our expectations of what cinema are. It's like the editing's like kind of more erratic. The storytelling's not exactly clear. Um, mm-hmm. And they're trying to go for this vibe that I don't know. I, I feel it hasn't aged well. Um, I feel like, cause that's why it was abandoned and we don't make movies like this. Or if we do, mm-hmm. they, they got way better because they actually figured out how to do it properly. Uh, this movie just kind of like slid right off my eyes. Uh, but when I was like kind of watching this, I was looking at Joseph Losey. I'm like, didn't he make some other like horror thing I was going to watch this year? And sure enough, I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, The Damned, uh, which is like, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, when I started watching it, I was like, oh, I'll watch this. And then Oliver Reed shows up and I swooned because Oliver Reed, what a, what a beautiful man he was uh, in his heyday. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, secret ceremony, feh. Uh, the Dam, though, um, I don't, it's not a great movie by any means. Uh, it is a hammer horror film. Kind of <gasps> when they're in between, kind of like making these straight up, like, monster movies, and then they're trying to do these other things. There's another one that uh, I'm going to have to watch with uh, old Oliver Reed uh, called Paranoiac. Mm-hmm. Where he plays a madman or a man who thinks he's going crazy. I have no idea. I'll have to report back. But uh, the damned is he's like a leader of a gang of like biker thugs that uses uh, Oliver Reed's sister to like kind of like uh, catfish dudes, I guess, whatever you want to call it. And uh, and then they and they jump and beat the shit out of them, calling them perverts, take their money, and call were it, they call it a day. Uh, it's debatable. So this American mm-hmm. guy, this like fifty year old man, he thinks I got a chance with this like nineteen year old like hottie. Oh mm-hmm. no, it's her brother and her the gang beats me up. But oh well, you live and learn. I'm gonna go back on my sailboat. But then the girl kind of feels bad about it. She's pissed off at her brother, <laughs> and there's some sort of uh, some incest sort of uh, uh, kind of teases there. But I don't know if uh, she's a willing participant in it or if it ever actually plays out in any way. It's just mm-hmm. kind of uh, a thing that's kind of lingering there. Um, 
And then they hop on the boat and uh, her brother doesn't like it at all. And they like kind of like chase after them uh, on motorcycles uh, from the coastline. Uh, But then RJ, things take a turn as uh, they sail onto an island where they're doing experiments on children using radiation <laughs> and it's like the damned uh so this movie mm. like it's just like what it's so yeah because like first you're thinking it's like the movie poster if you look this up it looks like village of the damned like everything like bug-eyed children crazy colors and stuff like that the title yeah. and you're like oh okay this is like a some sort of weird thing but it's like oh no it's like a juvenile delinquents on motorcycle thing beating up old guys and now there's a boat and now they're on an island and then oh fuck now people are like getting sick oh they have radiation poisoning and then like the government's not letting these children leave and people are trying to figure out what's going on but we don't know what radioactivity is oh and everyone's dying it, it is an odd little film really well shot it looks great uh oliver mm-hmm. reed's uh, always a treat but uh yeah i don't know i i can't say this one's like a a real recommend either the poster's awesome uh i like the idea of this movie more than i like the movie that's what people say about the podcast yeah it's probably very true yeah um and then I followed this up with another Oliver Reed horror film, not Hammer huh? or anything like that. This bad boy, Venom, uh, not to be confused with oh. the recently released uh, 2018 superhero film. This is about uh, a black mamba snake, but it's also Ooh. about a kidnapping that's botched. And it's also like Home Alone and Animals Attack. It's all three of these things all happening at the same time where you have Oliver Reed with a real like sketchy looking mustache, looking real mm-hmm. real haggard and and unsexy, and you Aww. have Sterling Hayden as Grandpa, and you've got Susan George uh, playing the, the the naughty housekeeper, and then you have Klaus Kinski. Uh, this so this movie's got this like amazing stacked cast, um, and then the movie does nothing with any of it, like nothing at all. It is like just. Such a disappointment. I was so bummed out watching this because you're expecting like, oh, man, it's going to be about a fucking killer snake that's just like killing people left and right. But it's like, oh, wait, snakes like don't really do that. They don't like travel around. They can't kill enough people fast enough. So you have to like concoct this idea that like, oh, everyone's in this house and they can't see where the snake is. Oh, it's in the vent sometimes. And then you're like having to, oh, it's so contrived, way too contrived for me. And this movie, RJ, way too many people are like super enthusiastic about. And I think it's because they want to love an idea of a movie that's got Klaus Kinsey and Oliver Reed in it. And it's going to be like amazing, but this movie is not what we were owed. I think. Are you saying that it you, it's not what you signed up for? Uh, I honestly did not know this movie had Klaus Kinski when I started watching it. Uh, I just went in going, oh, Oliver Reed. And then, because like, it was on a two-pack I have with uh, Rats, Night of Terror. It's like a Anchor Bay Animals Attack thing. And uh, I was like, well, I've never watched Venom. It's got a cool poster. And Venom just came out. So I'm going to watch this. And then I was like, holy shit, this has got to be great. And then it's like, no, it's not. Sad. Well... It couldn't have happened to a worse guy. <laughs> uh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Uh, was at least Oliver Reed, was he like hot at all? Not in Venom? Uh, he looks, yeah. he, he's pretty, he's like kind of wearing like the driver outfit. He's like 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he, so he's like, he looks a little uh, prim and proper for a little bit, but then there's like this shot of his like this like untrimmed stash. Uh, mm. I think his name's Danny in this. Uh, I mean, untrimmed stash, eh? Uh, yeah, you're getting kind of there. I mean, it's got to be in the right light where you're like, whoa. I'm gonna I'm gonna dock all of this beard tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I'm only gonna have a mustache. So, uh, anyways, that's uh, something people can't see on the podcast. But I was just interested to see how um, how much sex uh, mm. Oliver Reed brought to this picture. Right, right, right. Uh, one more British film, and then uh, it, hand it back to you. Crimson Cult. Uh, it goes by a couple cool. of other names, like Crimson something, something like Curse the Crimson Altar. It's got mm-hmm. Boris Karloff. It's got Christopher Lee playing Ooh, just shit. usual Christopher Lee. Yeah. Um, it's about a dude uh, whose brothers disappeared. They're antiques dealers. Um, he goes down to investigate. Uh, and of course they're like, well, I don't know who your brother is. <laughs> I've never seen the wicker man. And, um, that's kind of the whole shell game of this. Mm. It's just kind of like, like a weak man's wicker man with like way foxy ladies. Like just, and these mm. are like total, like uh premium, like 1960s, 70s swinging, like hot European ladies everywhere. There's like, it's just like, holy shit. Where did they find all these women? We're like. All these actresses are just like, oh, hey, you come into this movie and just like groove around and like roll around on the bed in an orangey seat mm-hmm. in this mansion. And they went, okay, I want to be famous. So <laughs> Crimson Cult, uh, Boris Karloff's in a wheelchair. Um, there's like a lot of like, what's going on? When's he going to catch on to things? Um, it's uh, average type of stuff. I'm glad I only paid like $5 us for this blu-ray from kino lorber mm-hmm. i kind of like i think at one point there was like some association that this was like kind of lovecraftian because it's got cultists oh. uh barbara Steele is in this as sort of like this like demon goddess uh that isn't isn't really there or is she um and there's like some kind of like was she maybe <laughs> uh okay there's, there's a big fire at a mansion at the end there's like there's like some some dude hanging butt cheeks uh, out of his like leather thong. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. This could you got, uh, elaborate? Uh, there's so there's these scenes that you don't know if they're real or not or if they're dreams. Uh, and there's this guy. He's like kind of like an executioner outfit. But there's these mm-hmm. shots where he's like walking off to go get something, and you're just like, oh yeah, that dude's wearing a leather thong right now. And there's mm. there's his man butt. And it's like, well, that was like, I guess a big deal maybe in the late sixties, but, uh, I don't know. It's not Christopher Lee's leather thonged ass. So disappointed Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound like anything I want to do. Yeah. So, I mean, again, this is like what, uh, this is the flip side of like finding a winner in Creeptober in the ghoul school. Uh, you gotta get through some of these average movies because you, you never know. Maybe the one of these movies is gonna be like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" But a lot of the time, you're just like, "This is fine. This movie mm-hmm. has the exact reputation it should have." Or if you've been misled, you're just kind of like, "I gotta stop believing people. They're liars." Kind of like you. I don't believe anything you say. <laughs> well, RJ, that's uh, back to you. Do you believe what I talk about? I just don't listen good then you won't listen to what i have to say about uh the trilogy that is the maniac cop oh series. i have i'll i'll have things to say here uh, i thought you would this is your buddy william lustig i think yeah yeah the, the man who brought us maniac yeah really branching out uh feeling uh, some different genres with a uh, maniac cop 
mm-hmm. from uh, 1988. You know this one. It's got everyone's favorite horror actor, Bruce Campbell. It's got Tom Atkins. Who else does it have? What's his name? Big chin dude. Who's, who's the Robert cop? Zadar. Yeah. That dude does have a huge chin. Yo, he's a fucking freak. I think he's in Tango and Cash, too, Probably, which is pretty yeah. rad. Uh, I think Sam Raimi is also in this deal. Uh, him and, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell. Anyways, so I watched Maniac Cop, Jared. I watched all three of them. Uh, I'd only ever heard about this, like, yeah. maybe a year ago. I think I brought it up to you, and you were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know, like in Maniac Cop. And I was like, what the hell is Maniac Cop? <laughs> and then once I, it was like that thing, you know, that like blue car syndrome thing that people get where it's it's like you never notice blue cars until you buy a blue car, and then you see blue cars everywhere. Like when I had, when I had found out about Maniac Cop, it was fucking everywhere. Like everyone I saw was talking about it <laughs> and everyone was like, Oh yeah. Like that super great underrated movie. Well, Maniac. There's, there's the read. There's like a remake coming. Is there with, with r- r- the... written by uh, Ed Brubaker and produced Ed by, and, and produced by um, uh, Nicholas winding Refn and stuff like that. It's a, this is a, a big deal. Daddy. O. daddy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. It's, it is everywhere. So I, I, I have to preface a little bit, Jared, and I know what you're going to say, but I have to say it. Uh, I Mom. am honestly a little foggy on uh, some <laughs> of this movie because it was after Thanksgiving dinner uh, <laughs> and I had eaten a lot of food and I had indulged in a few adult beverages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember most of this movie, but I was like – when you were talking, I was like, what am I going to talk about next? And I pulled up Maniac Cop and I was like, fuck, I don't remember this movie very much, which isn't, it, it sounds like it's a, a, a mark against the movie because I only watched it like a week ago, but it's not. I'm just an idiot and I forgot. Uh, so I remember uh, thinking about Maniac Cop that it was like this great social commentary on like the police state uh, where it's like, yeah, this movie's 30 years old, but uh, pretty relevant today. With like the power that police have and uh, the corrupt, uh, like uh, not political or judiciary, is a judiciary system like the courts and stuff? Yeah, sure, pal. Um, sure. Keep, keep in Whatever. mind that uh, not only is William Lustig uh, uh, a mind behind this, but so is old Larry Cohen. That's right. This is produced by Larry Cohen, which was pretty cool. Um, so there's stuff like that, which I think is actually really handled really well it's done in a good way uh and is really cool so maniac cop you have uh i i don't i don't want to spoil it but so you have this cop who's like going around basically just like free balling it just killing like everyone left and right and they're like what what does he have against cops what could his problem be nobody knows so like the movie is like trying to solve the mystery it's like it's like what is what was his like story what's his secret origin jared uh so it's like that and uh you get some pretty cool deaths uh like pretty good kills shots um the thing that stuck out with me most about this movie jared is the last 10 minutes there is some crazy fucking stunt work in this thing in the last 10 minutes uh particularly there's a scene where 
this big like van uh, drives out of a warehouse and then off the pier into the water. And there's a dude holding on to the side of the van. Uh, and it's like they slow it down so you can see as soon as this van like breaks through a barrier, like off a jump, this guy like tries to jump away from the van. It's like, man, that was pretty risky uh, stunt for this movie because they're like driving through like huge like blocks of wood and just debris all over the place. Uh, so um, I was, I was, I was pretty like, Oh fuck. This is some pretty wild stunt work, man. Uh, so my biggest takeaway from maniac cop uh, one was, I was like, Holy shit. They really, uh, they really tried to kill these guys in the last uh, 20 minutes of this movie. That's what stuntmen are for. That is what stuntmen are for. There's a, that popular movie category in the Oscars, but no uh, stunt work category. Uh, yep. I, uh, I almost drowned just then. Anyways. So, uh, do you have anything to say about maniac cop one? Uh, I don't remember really anything about the first maniac cop. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, so maniac cop two, uh, I watched the very same night and I'm not sure if it was a good thing or maybe I watched this in the morning. It doesn't matter. I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I watched all three of these in a row. Um, I don't know if it like helped or took away from it because it was kind of like diminished returns for these movies where each one I liked a little bit less than the first one. Uh, I found uh, rumor has it uh, that Maniac Cop 2 is the favorite of the series, the franchise. Well, some say that Maniac Cop 2 is the dark knight of the Maniac Cop trilogy. That's what they say. That's what they say. Uh, I disagree. I think one is better, but uh, Maniac Cop 2 is pretty cool. So you have a new detective investigating the Maniac Cop stuff because there is someone else killing people and it seems like it's in a copycat fashion. Um, This one, so the best parts about this one, there is some rad... Uh, stunt work in this again Mm -hmm. so all of these movies have awesome stunts uh there's some of your favorite uh full body burns oh yeah uh there's some of that there's people falling out of buildings there's car chases there's uh wicked um like death scenes uh it's got awesome stunt work all these movies do um the only thing with this i think the only reason that like i i didn't like it as much was they they do the thing where they pad for time where the first 10 minutes is the last 10 minutes of the first movie. And then halfway through this movie, they do the flashback where it's like the origin of maniac cop two. So it's like, all right, I guess you can just watch maniac cop two. You don't even have to watch the first one Mm -hmm. because it has the best parts of uh, one and two, or it has all the best parts of one put into two. Uh, So it has that. And I was like, it's nice that it's there, but it's like, I just watched it. I don't mm. need to watch it again. And it was like 20 minutes of this 80 minute movie. So I was like, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, and then this one, I really got bogged down by like, <laughs> I know this is really stupid because this movie's called maniac cop, but I really don't understand his motivation in these movies because it's like, there's a reason why he doesn't like cops. It's like, okay, I get it. No problem. Uh, but he kind of like goes around just killing anyone and it seems like he targets like people who are innocent and being themselves targeted by criminals and he helps out criminals a lot and i was like i don't get this i was like why is he doing these things did i miss something it could have been the 
the Thanksgiving dinner and the adult beverages or something, but I really had a hard time following it. I was like, I don't understand why he helps out criminals and he hurts innocent people. I get why he hurts the cops. That makes sense. But I don't follow this other thing to the point where in this movie, he befriends like a hobo guy who lives in the sewers. And it's like a guy who he interrupted trying to rape a, a, a stripper. And then he's like, I'm gonna hang out with you now. And it's like, what? It's like, I don't, it's like, why, why do you want to like hang out with this guy? So anyways, the, the parts about maniac cop too, I think it is, it's a good show. Like I like it, but I was just really confused. I was like, I don't know what's going on in this movie. Man, that's uh, I don't know what that says about you, not knowing. Why? Well, I mean, it's it's Maniac Cop too. I mean, oh, is is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, could, could I mean, you, what 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 is there not to get? <laughs> could you elaborate for me a little bit about what about Maniac Cop? I yeah, mean, it's the whole package deal. I mean, say well, say can, the title out loud for a moment. Could you possibly explain to me why he does the things that he does? <laughs> Because Cause he's, don't say because he's a fucking maniac. I'll I'll murder you. Full body burns. Full body work, burns. Men falling out of buildings. You're just repeating what I said to you. I'm just saying, like that's this is you're asking questions that don't need answering. Uh, fine, fine, fine. Or, or need to be asked at all. What? Whatever. I'm I'm sure I'm in the minority on this, but uh, I was really. I was really confused. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Let's see so what, do you want to hear? What, what did Sean Witzke have to say about Maniac Cop Two back in like ni- 2012? Oh, Nobody wants to hear about Sean Ma- Witzke. Maniac Cop Two, on the other hand, should by all means be a worse movie. All the good actors in the first film are murdered to fuck, with only the with the only ones returning being Landon, who is still terrible and doesn't die until the hour mark. While Campbell bites at 20 minutes in, everyone else isn't of the caliber of Roundtree or Atkins, but Maniac Cop 2 is a complete and utter surprise of a film. The flatness of the sets and lighting in one is replaced by a legitimate atmosphere. Lustig's kill sequences move away from simple brutality to more stylish and elaborate set pieces. The plot of the film takes the first one's evil cop wants revenge on the system that turned on him, premise and amplifies it to supervillain attempts to destroy society levels. Mm. Lustig's set piece genius includes not just some car stunts and chases, but one of the most interesting and arresting car stunts I've ever seen. A police psychiatrist is handcuffed to a runaway car on the outside and has to steer and get back in before it hits something. The way it is shot, there was probably a guy on the floor of the car steering, and it is night, but the end result is jaw-dropping stunt work. Later, it would be a pretty big signpost for the Tarantino's work on Death Proof. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And here we go, a drop of mentioning The Dark Knight, <laughs> which mm. is the thing that I've always thought about when, um, I, when I laugh about Maniac Cop 2. So that car chase scene is pretty cool especially because it's got like they like sin city style drag someone by out of the car Mm -hmm. that seems awesome this movie does have awesome stunt work it's fine i'm just saying okay that 20 minutes of uh rewind footage from the first movie uh and then my failure to understand anything that was going on for his motivation kind of took me out of it okay all right. All right. Do you want to hear about Maniac Cop 3? Sure. I've never seen it. Badge of Silence. Uh, this one also has full body burns, Jared. I've been uh, I've been noting that in all of my uh, movies lately because I know you're a big fan. Uh, so this movie apparently has been disowned by William Mustig and Larry Cohen. Um, apparently they all hate it for some reason. 
So I don't know because Larry Cohen's like the only producer. Uh, it is joint directed though by some guy named Jewel Susan, who did uh, Children of the Corn Genesis from 2011, <laughs> a movie called Cam to Cam from 2014, which based on the poster alone, I assume is about cam girls or, uh, or, or hot cam, hot cam. It could have been hot cam. Yeah. Uh, pulse two, pulse three, <laughs> prophecy, five, prof- <laughs> prophecy, four. So, uh, Some, this someone's got to make these movies. Someone's got to make these movies. Yeah. Sounds like he cut um, his teeth on this one though. He tried. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird because William Lustig is still credited and Larry Cohen is the credited as writer. But they apparently they both hate this movie, which um, honestly, Jared, it's not it's not real bad, but it's not a good maniac cop. Like this should have just been a totally different movie. Uh, it's not good for maniac cop because maniac cop is in like maybe five, ten minutes of this thing. Um, this movie is about like this female cop who is working with the detective who was in the second one trying to find maniac cop and all that junk. And the female cop gets into some trouble with a friend of the show, patron creep, Jackie Earl Haley. That's right. Freddy Krueger remake himself. Uh, He's in this thing as a petty crook Uh, and she guns him down. And then there's this big political statement about like how the media and all these people, it's actually um, how the media is like pushing favor into uh, Jackie Earl Haley for shooting the cop. And they're like pointing her out as the bad guy. Um, it actually really reminded me of uh, Nightcrawler because uh, you have these two guys who are listening to the police scanner with their like cameras and they're driving around trying to find like really grisly stuff. Uh, and they film uh, people getting shot a bunch and they just put it out on the air. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is uh, just like Nightcrawler. Uh, so there's no original ideas, I guess, in the world at all, because Nightcrawler is just a remake of Maniac Cop 3. Um, what was I going to talk about? Uh, so the movie, it's it's basically just about this this lady cop getting shot and then the detective trying to, like, figure out what happened. And then you you have this weird side story about, like, this weird, uh, this old black hoodoo uh, witch lord who's like it's this guy who is always in cathedrals and he's talking about like maniac cop being this entity this vessel uh for things and he's bringing maniac cop back uh and that's all of the first two-thirds of this movie is like this guy talking and then you have scenes of maniac cop like hunting or like stalking people and you're like all right all right whatever um and then it kind of culminates to the ending where Big explosions, lots of people die, people get burnt up, full body burns, uh, and then there's some some hoodoo, voodoo, maniac cop resurrection type stuff, uh, which could be a spoiler, but I don't care because whatever. Um, Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence, it would have been, I think it would have actually been a good movie if it wasn't a maniac cop movie. Because that story with the police, that should have been a movie on its own. So, I don't know, man. Maniac Cop 3, Maniac Cop 1 through 3. Uh, they're pretty cool. Uh, I liked them. Uh, it seems like people really like them. Some. Some do. Yeah. So, uh, 
I don't know. Did you watch any movies or? Uh, <laughs> uh, is well, that ever I, I, get old? Well, this isn't a movie, but it's a television episode. Oh, uh, it's Halloween, Fuck. so I'm, I'm I'm marching my th- way through the last five or six episodes of the Masters of Horror TV series I haven't watched yet, yeah, which yeah. means I'm getting to those ones I have not wanted to watch all this time, like Chocolate, directed by one series creator, uh, executive producer. Uh, horror visionary, horror mm. pi- and pioneer, Mick the Shit Garris. Okay, I just got to interrupt you for a while. I don't think people understand how bad Mick Garris is. We talk about it on this show, <laughs> but we've talked about this in real life. The amount of love and praise that he gets doesn't though okay, okay. shoveled no, on Mick he Garris. Do- he doesn't get enough. He doesn't get that type of praise. I think uh, there's. So I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he seems like I'm a sure he he's is. he's a very it's nice a, guy who like is friends with everybody and he lets he lets you know because he puts him in his movie. He's like, "Hey, I'm friends with Clive Barker. I'm he's going to be in my movie. He's going to be in Sleepwalker cuz you got to mm-hmm. know he's great." But and he makes all these Stephen King adaptations cuz he's he's one of those guys that's like he's, the only he's friends guy with Stephen King. He's yeah, he 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 gets it. He nails it out of the ballpark. No, he doesn't. He never does cuz no one likes Mick Garris movies. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if you look at most like top 100 horror movie lists, there isn't a single Mick Garris movie on there. But he's this oh. guy who's on the periphery. He's this guy uh-huh. that like he's directed all the stuff that you want to be better than it is. And he's just there. And he's like, he put together the Masters of Horror show. It's like, what an awesome idea for a, a product, you know? Mm-hmm. Get like all the biggest names in horror to do like one-off episodes. I mean, it only produced like maybe four or five good uh stories out of 26 but whatever that's how it goes with these things and it's like that was a novel idea so he's got his heart in the right place but man when it comes to like watching mick garris movies um like the stand which is probably one of his best ones is just like 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 a four-hour tv miniseries and it feels exactly like that mm-hmm. and then from there it's like all downhill um so are we, you we, saying we, we, that we've Sleepwalkers seen... and Riding the Bullet aren't on the 100 oh, sleep... best horror movies? Uh, no, it's no... Riding the Bullet is nowhere near that. Because that, that's like absolutely mm-hmm. garbage. Uh, Sleepwalkers is just like crappy. Like No, no they're both just the worst no. piece of shit sleep, movies sleep, I've ever sleep, seen. No, Sleepwalkers is way better than Riding the Bullet. That That is like all time. They're that's... both bad, Jarrett. Let's no, just agree on sleep... that. I'm, I can't. I cannot agree on that. <laughs> Sleepwalkers is like not good, but, it, but it's uh, not like grossly incompetent just a waste of time like writing the bullet they're both <laughs> bad keep going talk about shock a lot shock a lot uh Academy yeah. award nominee um mm-hmm. so this year movie uh what's this thing about it's got the pink panther in it briefly it's got Shock-a-lot? uh yeah, it's uh, whatever his name is, uh, Max Headroom. He shows up briefly. He's not the main dude. There's another main dude, and he's getting these. He has some like sample of chocolate chemical experimentation, mm. and now he's psychic, and he's interlocked with this like hot like French Canadian lady who lives in Vancouver. It turns out, and she's getting like sexually like pleased by this Asian man. And uh, oh. he's giving these flashes of it. Oh, just, this thing is just like so, like, uh, and 
I don't even know. We're even talking about it. It's got Vancouver and it's got like Gastown. You don't have to See, talk you, about you, it. You've never been to Vancouver, so you don't even know what Gastown is. But I've it's been like, in the airport. Well, Gastown's nowhere near the airport, but uh, it's like the trendy area where people go to like look at stuff and it's like not fancy at all. And like right down the street is East Hastings, which is like yeah. the, the, the dumpiest place. That's on where Hot Cam works. On, on East Hastings? Yeah. Oh sweet! Well, I guess the uh, the gentrification continues. Uh, well, he's part of a, uh, a research group studying like HIV, so uh, he has to go there <laughs> out of uh, research necessity. But, uh, anyways, I don't care about uh, Vancouver. It seems like uh, it seems like a bad place. Uh, what you know? What uh, we don't have any listeners from there, so I can say it. Whatever. Um, I will say that I've been to Vancouver a couple times, and it's like mm-hmm. it's a it's a good town. I I enjoyed my times there. It's fun, but uh, there is something about that city that makes it like very unpleasant to photograph because it always looks like shit. It's this gray, hazy look. Like I can be watching a movie. I think I've talked about this before too. And I'm watching it. I'm like, this looks like it was shot in Vancouver. And I look it up. I'm like, yep. And it doesn't matter. Like interiors look like they were shot in Vancouver. Everything's always gray. And I don't know if it's like because they have like these morons that like are working in the Canadian film industry who don't know how to light scenes properly, or Likely. or it's just like really difficult to like shoot around what. The, Vancouver looks like because of like atmospherics and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. All the, everything else is filmed in Vancouver. Like turns out okay. So well, I remember like X Files. Like the first like five seasons of it were mm-hmm. all shot in Vancouver, and it always had this weird gray uh, look. But it was also TV, um, and it was acceptable because it's television st- standard. Mm-hmm. But like all these other things, it's like I remember um, Rumble in the Bronx, where uh, Vancouver stands in for uh, New York mm-hmm. City, and you watch that and you go. This doesn't look right at all, and uh, yeah, sure enough. Anyway, so chocolate, cho- cho- chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. It's um, it's a movie uh about a guy who then sees this girl that he's like feels her masturbating and getting sexed on by this Asian man, and it's like feels? he he feels it because of the, their psychic link, and so you get a scene where like, he's getting like a female orgasm from an Asian man sticking his penis in a vagina, but then it's it cyclically projects into this guy and then he shows up to explain to this woman what's happening and you know how that would go um and then turns into uh a thing where of course she's a killer and now she's like you know that i'm a killer now i have to kill you oh it's it's a something all right i thankfully it's only 50 minutes long and guess what i have another mcgarris film to watch uh in my remaining four or five of these things and a William Malone critters too. genius William Malone and whoever is his fair haired child. I hate Mick Garris and I hate you a little bit for bringing it up on this podcast again. No more Mick Garris. No, no more. I hate that guy. He sucks. Uh, and then I watched a film <sighs> called the devil incarnate, AKA <gasps> the traveler. And this number here, this is a Spanish horror film uh, released by Mondo Macabro. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got a sweet poster with a, a guy carving a upside-down cross into a woman's butt. Um, mm. Na- Paul Nashi uh, wrote and directed this. This guy is a famous Spanish horror dude. Always played werewolves and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you've got a box set of his that you borrowed from me. I sure do. You crack is this that. butt movie in there? No, it's not. And actually, RJ, mm. this is probably 
his best movie that I've seen, and I've seen many people huh. say that as well, that this is like an all-time banger. This movie, Doubtful. oh, RJ, this movie is awesome. But it's like, but this this is for Jarrett's. Is this, I was going to say, is this a real awesome movie, or is this a Jarrett pick? This is a Jarrett pick. Through okay. and through, it is a uh, it is extremely quotable. Uh, mm. it, it is uh, ribald. It is uh, mm. uh, <laughs> it's filthy. It's uh, quite gross, questionable, and it's just, it's a depiction of uh, the devil who is taking the flesh of a man appearing on Earth just to like mm-hmm. cause trouble and mayhem and get up to no good with a smile on his face and uh, getting laid. <laughs> So we got a lot of uh, fine European ladies once again. Uh, Paul Nashi as the director and star. He has created scenarios where he gets to like make out with them. And uh, if you look at Paul Nashi, you can see that he is like a very thick, stocky, torsoed uh, Spaniard with a big old beard, mm. kind of a bozo looking dude. But boy, that doesn't stop him. And uh, yeah, that's what this movie's about. Uh, mm. It is so screenshotable uh, because I was watching it on Blu-ray, not on my laptop i didn't get to take those uh said screenshots but yeah, uh, max it's got to be uh watched to be appreciated uh this mm-hmm. thing totally uh overshot my expectations because sometimes like i've struck out there's another one of those uh i think it was also paul nash called the inquisition and that one was like very like average uh this though man what a, what a script um <laughs> yeah lots of talk about just like buggery and arses and uh just arses arses oh yeah arse is get brought up not not ass this is a classy but uh yeah i I don't know there's not too i don't want to get too much into this one i think people should just go out of their way to check this one out if you want a a good time it's like it's because it's like a black comedy like it is uh uh it's actually very weirdly funny uh, not mm. not ha ha funny, but smirking at like just like oh they're gonna do that now oh he just killed that old man that's hilarious oh and that guy drowned and um, it plays just really great and it's about the devil and uh, just him doing bad things and without like any repercussions. Mm. This was sweet. I am so disappointed in you. That's uh, what else is new. All the time. You're just like this bad guy that uh, that doesn't know that he's a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like the devil. Yeah, kind of. Like he's kind of like that in some ways. What do you, what you got for me next? What do you want to hear about some 90s flicks? Ah. I guess I have to. Do you want to hear about a movie from Jim Gillespie? Yeah. Yes. He, wrote, he made a movie called Venom from 2005. What? But you know what else he made? A what? movie called I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh-huh. The 1990s hit starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, is- Ryan Philippi, Freddie Prinze. Does this movie got a killer in a fencing mask too? Uh, it's got a fish killer with a hook hand. <laughs> yeah, Is that the same thing? I saw this one in theater too. I probably didn't because I was seven. And I think this is a little above my pay grade yeah, when that, you're seven years old. Yeah, that would have been kind of... Uh, you were, what, like 32 when this movie came out? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Nice. Uh, so I and, have been... And in junior high. And in junior high? Well, you were an old man. You're a weirdo. Uh, so I 
have been on this 90s kick because uh, Andy has been watching. Actually, I got I got to give her credit. She has the patience and just understanding of a monk because she is watching probably two thirds of these movies with me. Uh, and, you know, they're not all very good. And uh, she's really trying. So real I try trooper. to trooper. She's a real trooper. She's a. Uh, She's doing it. So I've been trying to sling her some 90s picks because uh, she actually kind of likes the 90s ones. So that was why I watched like Urban Legend and uh, these next two and a few of the others later and more to come. So I watched I we watched I Know What You Did last summer and I've seen it before, but probably not exaggerating, probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, it's been a really long time. I've seen the sequel too. And uh, after watching this, I asked Andrea if she would want to watch the sequel. And she said, fuck no, get away from me. And uh, I haven't seen her for a week. So I don't know what that was about. But uh, people, I think it's good that we cover these movies because uh, we were so obscure that we were missing some of these big hitters sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what you did last summer. You got a group of friends. They're all pretty loaded. Like they're rich. They're young. They're hot. Jarrett. Oh, baby. Is Freddie Prinze hot? You always see him swimming with his shirt on and you're like, Ooh, Freddie Prinze. Um, they are in some kind of main town, real Stephen Kingy. And it is uh, grad, uh, prom, if you will, in the States. Uh, and they go out drinking and they go driving and they hit a guy and they're like, Oh fuck. They're like, this is going to fuck up our careers. Uh, we we're going to Princeton. We're going to Yale. We can't do this. And then uh, Freddie Prince is like, you know what? We should just dump this body in the, in the ocean. No one will, no one will ever find it. No one will ever know. And they agree to it. So they throw this dead guy in the water and they go to college and life is good. They're all living with like the pain and the knowledge of knowing that they killed a guy. But whatever, they're uh, living their lives. And then they come home for summer break and they start getting threatening letters, Jarrett, that just say, I know what you did last summer. And it's like, oh man, that's the title of the movie. This is pretty serious shit. Uh, and then they start to die and stuff like that. It is a 90s slasher, man. It's got some 90s sweat. It's got some pretty recognizable moments. Like uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt screaming to the sky, what do you want from us? What do you want from us? Uh, I know this movie and like Scream when I get to it and some of these other movies best uh, from the Scary Movie franchise. Uh, when I was a little kid, that was the tits because it was so fun and uh, it was so goofy and I was a little, maybe I'll watch that. Anyways, uh, I know what you did last summer. It really made a splash in the scene because of its wild title, Jared. And um, it's all its hot young actors. And, well, yeah, that's, and it was like the capitalizing on that post scream wave. Yep. Yep. So it was that thriller mystery type stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, this movie I don't know how best to describe my feelings for it because a lot of these 90s movies too, it's like I watched them when I was a little kid and these were movies that we would uh, we would like rent on VHS and bring home. And this came out in 97, so I probably rented it like in 2000 when I was 10. Uh, and to me, it was kind of like this for 
not like forbidden, but it was like, oh shit. It was like, that's a serious movie. It's like, that's a horror movie, baby. <laughs> it's like, I'm too young for this thing. Uh, so these movies will always kind of hold a spot for me there where I probably won't judge them as critically as other movies. Uh, I know what you did last summer isn't super good, but, uh, like I was saying with urban legend, uh, I really like the the 90s feel of these movies. Like it kind of, it just reminds me of that time. And uh there there are From things From when you were 7. Well, I don't know. I'm a 90s kid, so I grew up in the 90s and like these movies were just all over the place and uh they they have a look and they have a feel and they're kind of formulaic in the way that 90s movies are. Uh and I dig it. Uh I liked watching this. I thought it was like it was fun to revisit it. Is it a good movie? No, not really. Uh, does it hold up? Hell, no. Uh, there's some pretty goofy things in here. Like, there's a lot of like drops in logic where you're just like, "What?" You're like, "Where did that come from?" And there's some plot holes, and there's this and that, and there's a lot of stuff you could like dislike this movie for. I guess if uh, say if you were a young hot millennial Jarrett and you were you're only like 16 and you were a horror fan and you went to this he'd probably be like this movie fucking sucks and I'd be like fair enough maybe it does so I don't know it's it's fun for me but uh I could see people watching it today not not being too hot on it I don't know if you have anything to say about I know what you did last summer how about those tits which ones? There's no tits in this movie. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's tits. They're all over this movie. Jesus, you're a pervert. That, I, I, that, is she how, even 18 how, in this how, movie? How about that sweater meet? Am I right? Whew, man. I'm glad no one listens to these episodes because uh, we would lose a lot of listeners here. What are we, an hour and 40 in? No one's listening. <laughs> no one's listening. The perfect time to mention one of my favorite movies of all time. Idle Hands. Also from the 90s. Uh, this was directed by my boy Rodman Flender. Uh, you know him. He did Conan O'Brien Can't Stop. He did a Leprechaun 2. Uh, he's the coolest. Uh, Idle Hands is the 1999 hit movie starring 90s horror heartthrob Devin Sawa, Seth Green, Vivica A. Fox, Jessica Alba, and then, uh, what's that chunky guy's name? Fuck, what is his name? It's not Fred Willard. Fred Willard is in this too. Eldon Henson. You know Eldon Henson. Everyone knows that guy. He's in She's All That. He's in The Butterfly Effect. He's in Turner and Hooch Jarrett. He was a mighty duck. Fuck, people know Eldon Henson. Come on. <laughs> uh, Idle Hands is a very special movie to me. Uh, this came out in 99. I was nine years old. I rented it on VHS. And this movie scared the living shit out of me, Jarrett. This is one of the, when I was little, this was one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Uh, particularly because at the start, um, there's a scene where the parents die. And uh, the mom is in like shock and she can't dial the phone. So she like hits the nine button and just holds it down and then hits the one button and holds it down. And I always thought that was just like the scariest thing in the world where it's like imagine being in a situation where you literally can't respond physically or think and your body just betrays you. Uh, I thought it was so scary. 
uh, and this whole uh, the idea of this movie. So, Idle Hands is about this high school stoner Devin Sawa, and all he does is smoke weed and watch TV and do whatever so he's a real geek you know uh he's friends with uh eldon henson and seth green they're also big time stoners uh he's in love with the girl next door jessica alba and what happens is there is a killer in town and you find out pretty quick within about the first 20 minutes or so you find out that the killer is uh, a demon that has possessed his hand and the demon jumps from hand to hand. Uh, and it's based on like that old saying where it's like, uh, idle hands are the devil's playground where it's basically like, don't be lazy. Don't, uh, you know, sloth indulgence, uh, all these things where it's like, don't be like a big fat piece of shit because, uh, when you are, that's where these sinful things come from. So this movie takes it literally where uh, he's a real big stoner and his hand gets possessed and then it starts to kill people. Uh, I think this is an actual, genuine, really good movie. I know I have nostalgia for it, but watching it again now, it's been about 10, 15 years since I've seen it. Uh, it's actually genuinely funny. It's got good horror. It is a well done movie. It's got really decent effects for 99. Like some of the uh, practical uh, prosthetics works. Looks really good. Uh, this movie has an amazing color palette. Palette. Uh, amazing color palette where it's it's all like deep greens and uh, like red purples. So there's always like the green around and then there's the red when people start dying. And it's always like it's almost like a filter. Like they put red light bulbs in Uh I think it looks awesome. I don't think it's cheesy at all. Uh, I think everything about this movie comes together in a really good way where it's really fun stuff. The story is good. The actors are like, they're doing pretty good. Uh, it's wicked, man. I, I love this movie. Uh, there's a really sweet Dragula cameo on screen for a while. Um, the one thing I also thought was weird was, uh, I think this is the same house they filmed hereditary in. Uh, I could be wrong, but, uh, it looks like it. Uh, and I don't know. It's the full, it's the full deal, man. You got Fred Willard as a dad in here. Uh, you got some wicked kills, good, good action. It's really funny. And it's got a message, Jared. It's got a message. So, uh, I think idle hands, uh, is awesome. So I don't care what anyone else thinks. I saw this movie in theater. Um, what did you my, think about it then? Yeah, I never really thought about it that much. Other than I just remember the poster and mm -hmm. I remember seeing it and that's about it. Like I honestly, like it's a blank memory. I highly recommend whenever you do your rewatch Creeptober, rewatch Idle Hands because I think it's awesome. Uh, I think I'm kind of regretting talking about it now. I should have saved it for a creep proper because it's it's that good. Uh, I don't know. I think it's really good, man. Um, I would recommend rewatching it one day. Really good? I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's like I said, I, I do have – I'm a little bit biased, but uh, I actually do think it's a, but, a really good show. But is it Undercover Brother good? <sighs> I would be hard-pressed to put them up against each other, but uh, I'm going to hit you with – some real talk chair. Idle Hands is better than Undercover Brother. But how does Idle Hands uh, compare to Joe's Apartment? Joe's Apartment? Yeah. 
What the hell is Joe's apartment? Oh, you millennials. I don't know. I don't know what that movie is. What is Joe's apartment? It's, uh, it's an MTV movie. You should look it up. When you're talking about the color palette mm-hmm. of this thing, I was like thinking about like other movies that have these extreme color palettes, like Monkey Bones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like this era of like super garish, super saturated mm-hmm. things going on. These kind of uh, movie, these quirky movies that were being made in the '90s that were like kind mm-hmm. of aimed to be made as cult movies, because guys making movies mm-hmm. were like all video store kids, and they're like, "I'm gonna make a movie just like that," and that these mm-hmm. movies kind of had that uh, vibe to them. A little bit. I know Joe's apartment with the roaches. Yeah. I was thrown off by that generic title, but, uh, oh yeah. Jerry O'Connell, man. Mm -hmm. I know a little Joe's apartment. Uh, yeah. Idle hands is better. Okay. So, uh, check it out one day. Just do it. Do it. Just, just do it. Just check it out. Uh, are we still recording? Yeah. Unfortunately. (laughs) How many more movies do we have? Well, we're, uh, we're at the halfway mark. Of our Jesus. movies, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what you want to do here. Um, so whatever you want to do, Derek. You're the boss. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even the boss of my own life. Yeah. What, what are we doing here? Okay. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll call her in a little bit here. But let's just get through a few Want to burn through some baddies? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of baddies, I watched mm-hmm. Fear.com. Nice. I've been waiting so long to hear about this. Oh, man. So, Fear.com. I remember when this movie landed. I never watched it because everyone said it was bad. And uh, this was kind of coming out post uh, The Ring remake. Or actually, right Mm -hmm. right at the same time. Um, America was just catching on to this J-horror shit and being like, we can do that. We're America. Mm-hmm. We're better than those Japanese. Just like with our cars. But they're not, RJ. They're really not. So, I mean, some people have got like a, a soft spot for that uh, Ring remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that. In, I saw that in theater too. And I remember being like, that horse scene was really weird and intense. But other than that, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's nothing. It's no great shakes. It's that Gore Verbinski piece of shit that people... Mm-hmm say they is a good director but nah but fear.com boy oh boy far cross i mean what i wouldn't do for gore verbinski to show up mm-hmm. uh i've seen a lot of people take a shit on this film uh it's got one of those legendary cinema scores of an f so it is mm. as bad as mother um but yeah this movie it is about <sighs> a couple things all simultaneously so stephen ray is a serial killer Okay, and his gimmick because this was the mid two or this is the early two thousands mm-hmm. uh, is he's a serial killer, but he's like live streaming the murders on a website, and people are watching him like torture women that he's killing and capturing, blah blah blah, and he talks in this weird American accent about pain and death, and mm. uh, he's he's trying to be a Brad Dourif, but he's no Brad Dourif. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, few are so that's like plot. B, mm-hmm. plot A is uh, there's like there's a virus um, that's going around. Apparently, there's like people being found uh, bleeding from their eyes, and nobody knows what's going on. The movie opens up with Udo Kier. He's got like a, a package uh, with a book in it. He's being followed by a spectral girl with bangs, with a bouncy mm-hmm. ball, like straight out of Toby, da- uh, Toby Dammit, the awesome Fellini horror short from uh, mm-hmm. uh, Spirits of the Dead. And, 
allegedly. You know it's good. And uh, but it's just like I was watching like that's just the same girl, but like way less effective. Anyways, mm-hmm. Udo Kier like gets run over by a train, and then that's what kicks off this whole thing. He's like, he's got this book that's been written thirty years ago about like the dark society of the internet, and mm-hmm. um, and then they find some like techno Russian kids that are like into the goth scene that have like apparently died of some sort of disease that like they say it's got Ebola like symptoms but no one seems to be concerned with the fact that they now have Ebola potentially but that's Mm -hmm. okay this whole movie is about people like not giving a shit and like no selling and like scenes that would in a normal movie have been cut out long long ago but they just left them in because they don't know what they're doing Um, so the gist of this plot is so Stephen Ray killed a girl and he dumped her body and that girl's spirit though, she wants revenge and she's like getting at people via the website that people are logging onto some dark web shit. And, uh, if you agree to this, uh, you get like a possession thing put on you where like you have 48 hours to like get her revenge or like get her to the point where she can get revenge or otherwise you'll just die yourself. But no, of course, like, it's a ghost story and it doesn't play fair. And so people are just dying until the detective and the, de- the doctor get involved. And, um, this is giving this movie, I'm laying it out very cleanly. The movie kind mm-hmm. of like, it's very confusing what's going on for like an hour and a half. This thing's like ridiculously long, um, for this type of movie. Uh, I've seen some people mention that like, Oh, it's got these like references to German expressionist filmmaking. And it's like, at the very end, there's like 30 seconds where it's like, oh, it's supposed to look like silent film, but it's like bad video filters. And it's some real try hard music video edgelord shit with like, here's like a demon goddess angel that breaks apart into cockroaches and uh, kills like a doctor guy who deserves it. And it's just like, okay. Uh, this movie is just not it, it it's earned its reputation of just being bad it's boring um mm-hmm. i don't even know what to rate this because it's like it was watchable like i watched the whole goddamn thing it's very well photographed but uh man it, it just fails on all fronts as a uh, movie making goes so yeah that's it stunk so you're saying that you liked it yeah it's idle hands good <clears throat> Uh, when are you going to watch Stay Alive, the other internet uh, killer movie from the era? Never. Watch that fucking movie or I am quitting the podcast for That's good. Fine. Then then I'm free. Hey, you know what's weird? So I'm reading the uh, letterbox synopsis uh, for Fear.com and it like describes the movie. And then in the last sentence, it just says Stephen Ray also stars in this gruesome thriller. So who wrote this thing that they're just naming actual actors? They didn't know what to put in here. It's like, this Stephen Dorff is in this. Oh, hey, guess what? Stephen Ray is in this also. Yeah. Did they run out of things to say? Yeah, Frost is in this. I believe I saw this in the movie theater. Whoa. Uh, I think it was a Midnight at the Mill uh, deal, whereas... Spooky. Yeah, very uh, pointed to only people who know this area will know what that means. So there you go. Uh, mm. Did you watch any other movies? Yeah, I watched some Going Into the Woods movies, which were both really good, RJ. Uh, hmm. First up, I watched this movie. It's all one word, Yellow Brick Road. Uh, I'd seen this pop up on somebody's list of like direct-to-video movies that are better than you think. And uh, mm. I remember like seeing this like 
generic shitty poster pop up. And then I read the description and I went, whoa, this sounds like exactly the type of movie that I love to like hear about, but like no one ever makes. And this could mm-hmm. be really good or it could be a total like shit the bed kind of affair. Um, and this movie's like really quite well made. So Yellow Brick Road. Um, so this is a story. Uh, the preamble is that like back in the 1930s, this like small town, uh, there was a screening of Wizard of Oz. And mm-hmm. I guess like whatever, like, 45 people like apparently like left the theater and they went up this mountain path and they never came back. Uh, and then it was like a few weeks later, they started finding like partially eaten bodies and bodies that like had froze to death. And then they find like one guy who's just a rambling mess. He doesn't, he's completely incomprehensible rambling mm-hmm. on no, no sense. No one ever finds, finds out whatever happened to them. Uh, so the movie picks up, you know, modern, modern day and uh, a team of like research investigator types are going to put, uh, go find what happened. Um, and there's like an anonymous clue about where to start and they pick up that clue and you just kind of follow these people on their, uh, uh, ill-fated attempt to find what happened to these people. Uh, my one criticism of this is probably throws down one too many wizard of Oz references, uh, where they're just like, yeah, they want to go find the wizard and stuff like that. It's kind of like, you could have made this movie without any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's like public domain at this point. But it's like, for I think a lot of people, they're just going to think about the movie um, rather than like the like Frank Baum story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, it doesn't really have an ending, which, which is too bad because like the actual f- storytelling and pacing and like, when the horror stuff kicks in, it's like, whoa, cause it's like really unexpected and like feels realistic and feels mm-hmm. like when if you saw something like this happen, this is like, it's kind of filmed in a way that like, oh, that is kind of what it would look like. And it's like really surprising, but like also understated. That's like, oh, that person just had their leg cut off by someone that's like mm-hmm. gone, gone crazy up here on the, the path. So it has like, I don't know, the, actually the big thing that this reminded me of more than anything was Annihilation. And I like this and I like this a lot more than Annihilation because I found that. Wow. Yeah, I know. Weird. Because that, that, that's, hey, there's a movie that uh, people have stopped talking about completely. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, this has that same kind of thing where it's like people kind of going into this impossible space and it's Mm -hmm. like changing. Like they're walking forward and it's all good. But when they turn around, they realize that things are changing if they try to go back. Um, and it's just all these little details, um, like they're camcordering themselves, uh, like doing these sort of response, uh, sort of experiments to make sure that they're like keeping their sanity and they're breaking down. Um, Mm -hmm. and just like, yeah, it's all super subtle. And then of course they kind of do, uh, the, the one thing that became very popular in the two thousands, uh, post uh, Blumhouse and, uh, but like using like 1930s music because the shining did mm-hmm. it and it's just like oh it's just playing in the sky somewhere and it's like nothing scarier than 1930s music <laughs> like it's such a, a kind of an odd thing but like it is effective because there's like that's like the first period of time where people would record sound and so it has this kind of like screechy kind of ghostly quality to it mm-hmm. um but yeah no this is like it's pretty smart uh it's uh, i didn't find any of the acting like bad or anything like that it's all unknowns um and uh yeah i thought this was like a real pleasant surprise like it totally uh 
was much better than I was expecting it to be. But this, so this uh, got me thinking about, I'm like, oh, I, I really like these Into the Woods stories, like Blair Witch Project and stuff like that. And I was like, hmm, there's that The Ritual that's on Netflix. And, uh, oh. yeah, so I watched The Ritual, uh, okay. which came out, what, last year, early this year, late, mm-hmm. late last year. Uh, this, I understand, is based on some book that's well-regarded. And uh, yes. I, I went in kind of knowing that it's got a really cool monster. And that was about mm-hmm. it. And it's like, we don't see enough of it. It comes late, but it's pretty good. And uh, that was that was all I knew. And I watched it. And this movie is like pretty, pretty good. Like actually, very, very, very good. Um, it's actually probably one of the better horror movies uh, I've seen in the last few years for like modern, mm. for, for for modern like horror stuff. Like I, I see some people like I don't know what kind of like turned me off of watching it right away was I saw some middling responses to it from mm-hmm. people that I would assume would know horror well. But again, uh, as we'll keep touching on, it seems like you just can't trust people. You should just find out for yourself. And uh, yeah, this movie though, like I think it's, it's tight RJ. Uh, I don't think there's mm-hmm. really any major missteps. Uh, it pretty well sticks to its guns. It tells the, I know you're planning on reading this book or watching the movie, so I don't want to get too, too into it. Yes, this is true. Yeah. I have the book by uh, Adam Neville, and I've uh, wanted to read it for a long time. So that, which is why I haven't watched the movie. So. Yeah. So, but I will say that yeah, the movie's like very well made. Uh, it never loses my interest at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's exactly like it's like four guys get lost in the woods, and something's following them. That's kind of the the major part mm-hmm. of it, and they don't blow it. And uh, the freaky stuff is kind of like freaky and subtle and realistic. Mm. Um, and the performances are all again solid. Uh, so this is a British film as well, uh, set in Scandinavia, kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just it, it's paced really well. I I couldn't be more happy with the way this turned out. Um, Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I won't go too much into it because I know you want to watch it. And I think it's like, like, I haven't said anything that I didn't know about it myself going in, Mm -hmm. except that I'm being very positive about it, saying that, like, I think you'll totally like this movie. Like, I can't imagine you uh, not being like, uh, mm-hmm. appreciative of the uh, that artisanal film craft we're all about here on the wow. podcast. Yeah, I, I know I'll like it. That's uh, I bought the book like three years ago. Uh, I think I even mentioned on this very pod when they announced <clears throat> Jesus, I'm losing my voice, when they announced that the movie would come out because uh, I was pretty stoked. Uh, I just haven't read it yet, so maybe maybe I'll get to it. So, uh, yeah, so that's my thoughts on Woods Horrors. And I've, I've tried nice. looking for some other stuff, and there's just not that much about, like, yeah. things happening in the woods and stuff like that. It seems like such obvious territory, too. And, like, there's, like, that fine line, because there's, like, one list, uh, I think, like, Holly Horror has of, like, just, like, horror in the woods. And then you have things mm-hmm. like Friday the 13th movies, and you're like, well, mm. yeah, but that's, like... That's different. Not quite. It's not quite right. I, I want things about people being in the middle of nowhere and like mm-hmm. it's like kind of man versus nature versus supernatural. If you want to mm-hmm. like put it down into the uh, the th- uh, th- character web territory of uh, writing, mm-hmm. but I'm actually kind of surprised that there's not more like woods horror. Um, how do you feel about that? 
Well, uh, I'm a big fan. I love that stuff. So uh, I have my own agendas for those things. But uh, I think there's a really obvious movie here sticking out that uh, I think, uh, to be honest, I think you're a dum-dum for ignoring. Uh, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, (laughs) uh, is a horror of the woods. And uh, maybe you should just watch it. And Blair Witch, for that matter. Well, I, I have seen that movie many times. I consider Blair Witch, Blair Witch Project Two. Blair, Blair Witch Project, the, fir- mm. the the first, is uh, an all time banger. One of the uh, greatest horror films ever made. I don't give a shit what people say; they are wrong if they don't agree. Uh, movie's Pete. so good, and uh, yeah, I guess I could watch uh, B B P B W P two B W two B OS and some uh, Windingard in mm. If I have to watch that fucking thing, you have to watch it. Too, I will. You got to get out. You got to get caught up. You got to watch Mm-mm. Blair Witch Two. No, no. It builds off of both no, of them. No, I don't. that's what they say. That's that's false narratives. That's what they say. Okay. Well, uh, I'll hand it off to you. I think we should wind mm. it down here in maybe uh, the next uh, twenty minutes or so. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna hit you with three real piece of shit movies that I watched. Okay. And, uh, I, I, I think our, I think our send off should be a movie that we actually both watched. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'll hit you with these because I'll, I'll be I'll be fast. I'm going to burn through these. Yep. Uh, I f- I am continuing to make ground on my Slumber Party Massacre slash <laughs> oh, Sorority geez. House Massacre movies. Oh, man. Uh, I watched the next two. I only have one left, Jared. Um, which I wanted to do this year, but it's kind of hard to track down. So I don't know if I will or not. Maybe I'll save it for next year. Uh, I watched Slumber Party Mass 3 from 1990. So in previous episodes, people will know there was Slumber Party Massacre, and then there was Sorority House Massacre 2, and then there was Slumber Party Massacre 2, and then there was Sorority House Massacre 2. Uh, it's a very complicated history. I think I described it in better detail I think it's actually, sometime. I think it's actually quite simplistic. <laughs> uh, I described it sometime. Uh, what happened was Jim Wynorski no, started no, making no, movies no, that... No one cares. No one cares. Okay, well, one of these is his, so I'll get there. Perfect. Uh, so next up for me in the chronological order was Slumber Party Mass 3 uh, by Sally Madison. Uh, they got a lot of female directors for this mm-hmm. series, which it was female directors and then Jim Wynorski, which seemed like contrarian things but uh, anyways uh so this is your run-of-the-mill slumber party mass uh you have a group of girls that are t- uh it's all like high school girls they're a volleyball team and one of the parents uh one of the girls parents is going away for the night so they're having a little slumber party and then you have the group of the boys who want to crash the slumber party and see what's up so it's a uh, very run-of-the-mill you have a killer on the loose who is using a big hand drill it's not even like a portable drill or anything it's like an industrial sized drill but it isn't plugged into anything i don't know how it works uh so you have that you have scenes of girls doing uh pillow fights and strip teases um kind of unsolicited without anyone else around they're just kind of doing it to do it uh this is one of the first times in this franchise uh, that uh, I think that some of these things were kind of thrown in just for the heck of it, Jarrett. Huh. Um, you, this one kind of falls flat in terms of how they all go. Uh, there were two things that I thought were really funny. Uh, one is, so I'll spoil it a little bit. The murderer in this is one of the boys, uh, and he kills all these uh, a bunch of people because he can't get a boner. 
And uh, like he tries to like get with his girl and he can't and he's embarrassed. So he kills her and then he goes crazy and he kills more people. And there's this like complicated history about how he was the nephew of this cop that killed himself. It doesn't matter. It, I, it, it, they brought it up at the end and I was like, what? I was like, when was that ever brought up in this movie at all? I don't understand. And I actually watched, so I don't know what that was about. Uh, but the one thing that really sticks out in this movie is there's a scene where he's like uh, cornered a girl in the kitchen and it's like right in front of a screen door. And he's like, I'm going to get you. And this girl just screams, uh, fuck you at him. And then she jumps through the glass window, like, or through the sliding door. She just jumps through it in the glass and she just falls on the deck. Uh, and I thought that was one of the coolest things I've seen in movies in a long time. Cause it's such a power play. It's just like, fuck you. I'm just going to jump through all this glass. And it's like, all right, nice. Uh, that's cheerleader massacre three. That's it. Not much to say. Or, uh, slumber party massacre three. Uh, my next movie is by our f- friend uh, Hubert Blueberry, Mr. Jim Winorski himself, uh, Cheerleader Massacre from 2003. Uh, this one follows a group of cheerleaders, uh, and they're at a school, they're cheering, and then they go to a little summer cottage for a little getaway. Um, the things I like about Jim Winorski movies is that he kind of like really goes for it and it seems like he tries like even even though it, like the majority of his movies are just huge piles of shit it's like i think he's trying to make a good movie and there's good parts of not good parts there's uh elements of good movies here but uh none of it really comes together uh this movie jared is softcore porn uh there's a lot of sh- naked shower scenes uh there's apparently like some hardcore sex scenes, but I didn't see those. Uh, so I watched this on YouTube no. and it actually had like uh, full nudity. There's like four scenes where it's just full on nudity and sex and they were on YouTube. So I was pretty surprised by that, but I saw a comment to someone who's like, I'm it's like, Oh, I can't believe they took, uh, took out the hardcore sex. And I was like, what? So I don't know. Uh, I watched it on YouTube and, uh, I thought it was all there. There's lots of nudie, nudie stuff, but uh, this is, um, it's pretty bad, Jared. This is like handheld camera. They shot it over a weekend with a bunch of porn stars. Mm. Which, one's, is which one's this again? Cheerleader Massacre. Oh, sorry, of course. Hey, I'm doing the work that no one else wants to do. Much like this last no, one I'll no, talk about. No one asked. No one asked. People need to know about cheerleader slumber party massacres okay yeah because there's gonna be a guy out there who's gonna like i wonder if those movies were good and then there'll be me and it's like yeah two of these movies they'll, are they'll, really they'll, good they'll just have to listen two hours and 10 minutes into uh the uh, cool school part eight two, two of those movies are really good you just have to listen to this episode to get it okay i'll hit you with one other really bad one that i saw uh lumberjack man oh. uh this movie, Jarrett, oh my goodness. This is directed by a guy named Josh Bear, who I thought was that Adam Green guy who did the uh, Frozen and Hatchet movies. Yep. Um, so Lumberjack Man came out like three years ago. And it is about a lumberjack and a cat uh, who it's basically like Jason Friday the 13th. He's stalking a camp. This movie is very very bad uh it was recommended to some by to me by someone i can see where why some people would like it but 
so here's what it is. It's really goofy. It's like slapstick horror. It's self-aware and they're trying to like make fun of themselves. Uh, but it, it's like so fast and loose with how much they drop this stuff that I on, I think it's, it was almost unbearable to watch where you have things like 40 year old men, but legitimate 40 year old men playing tweens. Uh, they're all playing like 13 year olds. Why? I don't know. I think just so that they could have nude scenes with 40 year olds, but they wanted a kid's camp, which is like, okay, that's weird. There's like super over the top performances where you'll get like a guy in a wig and he's like, he does that freak out thing in movies where it's like, I'm doing this. Oh yeah. Oh, and like freaking out. It's like everyone missing on me. And they're setting up. It's like, Oh, this guy sucks. Don't you want him to be, murdered but it's like it's too over the top or it's like i it's not that this guy sucks it's i don't want to watch this because it's a waste of my life there's a weird religious undertones in this movie it's all about shrove tuesday and pancakes which i thought was really weird um this movie is all about pancakes that's the motivation of this lumberjack man uh you have scenes where there's like they're on a bus and the windows are all green screen and they like digitally impose oh. the stuff moving by. Oh. Uh, there's that. Um, it's, it's everything you would imagine that really bad, low budget today's mo- horror movies would be. It's, it's all of those things. Um, I don't know who it's for people who smoke a lot of weed, maybe from the set, like, and in the 70s uh the thing about this movie jared is poor poor michael madsen is in this thing and i don't know what kind of trouble he got in that he had to to do this but uh i feel bad for him i really do so uh lumberjack man very bad hmm so uh there you go the more you know you know so what should we do here well let's uh let's talk about one more one more okay let's talk about Video violence. Oh, baby. Okay, yeah. Hit it. Yeah, so uh, video violence is one of those movies that uh, came to my attention last year, maybe the year before, when I was, like, kind of going through my lo-fi shitima horror movies. I love me that shot-on-video aesthetic. Uh, mm-hmm. I've watched a whole bunch of them the last couple of years. I think I'd always actually planned on doing, like, uh, a whole, like, thing just on, like, the whole bunch of them I'd watched because it's it's niche. Uh, it's not for mm-hmm. everybody. It's, like, these are deep cuts because you got to go out of your way, real deep internet to find this stuff torrenting and uh so video violence was one of those movies that had come up it's got this really cool like poster with this like meaty corpsey zombie hand putting a vhs tape into a player Mm -hmm. it seems very self-referential uh that it's like kind of a shot on video horror movie it seems like aware that this is going to be sitting on a video store shelf and this is how you're going to watch it and so it's trying to appeal to that type of person it's gonna be like oh man that's what i do i watch tapes and i put them in players this movie speaks to me so, video violence, it's always been on there. Uh, for some reason, you would put it on your uh, request list of movies that uh, for me to track I down. I already had it downloaded. I gave <gasps> it on to you. And uh, I was like, well, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to watch this video violence myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did. And this movie, RJ, I don't know if you're aware, this movie is uh, pretty sweet. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the movie picks up. It's kind of like a uh, throwback to like a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie where it's Mm -hmm. like 
these kind of hapless, innocent people who uh, move to a town, a small community on the fringes of like, you know, I don't know. It's this just shot outside of New York or whatever. It's nothing too obscure. It's not like the Deep South, like 2000 Maniacs. It's just like a small town uh, with the only video store that seems to be very, very popular amongst the people in the mm-hmm. community. And they, they all want to rent horror movies all the time. They, they want the one with the chainsaw, says one fellow. <laughs> and that you're thinking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, contraire, no. mon frere. No, they want pieces. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, so you get all this amazing footage of this uh, video store, just chock full of VHS tapes everywhere you can look. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, RJ, since you're like, uh, like 12 years old, uh, if you remember video <laughs> stores, uh, but I, yes. that was like my heyday. So this is aimed directly at me. I remember, mm-hmm. uh, there used to be video cinema was the store and they'd actually have little, uh, plastic cards with the name of the movie in front of mm-hmm. the VHS tape. And you took the little, uh, plastic card, you brought it up to the counter they took it. They went looking through the racks for the tapes and they came and brought it back. The saddest thing that could ever happen happen was when they couldn't find it and the card was put up mm. in by mistake and they go sorry sir i couldn't find it for you i remember <laughs> this would often happen to me when i wanted to rent super mario brothers 2 it was some bullshit mm, yeah so i've been there man yeah so this video of violence it, it taps into that uh, nostalgia for people who grew up in this window of time when tapes were still a thing uh so the story just picks up what's going on spoilers uh is this is a town filled uh filled with snuff filmmakers uh everyone there is they're they're all sick fucks and there's a particular group there who are actually making these tapes and there's there's a tape-tating uh circuit going on uh but they're also like kind of like it's kind of testing the waters with this video store with this hapless dude with his like bozo employee uh who get kind of brought into this world by accident I'm getting ahead of myself though because I'm talking I'm forgetting about the bit. the cold open of this film uh, uh which uh-huh. happens at the uh the sporting the sports store uh where boy is it sweet boy is it something um so it opens up there's these two dudes and uh they're just like employees at the sporting shop the sporting goods store and mm-hmm. this lady comes in and uh, they're start oogling her and they're like oh yeah look at that Oh, man, look at her walk up the stairs. That's so tight. Oh, man, she's going to the change room. Pop on the tape. And so they're, like, watching, like, through the surveillance of her, like, getting changed. And it's like, oh, man. And these guys are super greasy. And they're, mm-hmm. look, they're looking down at her. And you're just thinking, like, okay, so where, where, where does it go from here? But then it escalates uh, as it's, it's like, oh, yeah. They don't even lock the front door of the business. They just, like, <laughs> go to work. One of them gets a baseball bat i think some sort of like bludgeoning instrument yeah and they just they just fucking blast her through the curtain as she's getting changed and it's just like whoa this is horrifying in a way Mm -hmm. that like most of these movies aren't and it's just shot on video and it's just like you know it shouldn't be this disturbing but it is because it feels like natural and like realistic and Mm -hmm. they're just like oh yeah 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 and it's like oh fuck this is some real henry portrait of a serial killer stuff we're getting ourselves into and then it kind of changes gears because we get these like intertitles of prologue and part one and stuff like that like it's kind of like broken up into these segments and you think it's like or like days sorry it's days in this um mm-hmm. and 
it kind of goes from there. Uh, we follow some creepy dudes in station wagons dropping off VHS tapes. <laughs> One's unmarked. Uh, they drop it off the video store, and the guy's like, hey, this tape doesn't belong to the case it's supposed to be in. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. They'll come back to get it. Oh, hey, you want to check it out and see what it is? Huh, yeah, yeah, it's probably just some sports game. And they pop it in, and no, it's some, like, snuff shit with these, like, hillbilly dudes mm-hmm. murdering this man, cutting his hands off and stuff like that. And before you get ahead of yourself, this isn't, like, uh, this isn't, like, no uh, Serbian film kind of martyrs, like, extreme <laughs> horror this is some goofy ass shit this is like yes. this is like very like uh, tongue-in-cheek kind of campy quality to it again this is like what puts it in mind for me with like herschel gordon lewis movies like you can't take it too seriously but there's these times throughout the film where what they're showing on the screen kind of like transcends the goofiness and kind of goes into like whoa that's like really effective and i don't know if they mm-hmm. realized what they had going on because they, they're It'll, they'll undercut themselves too, which is kind of like the fun of watching this movie. So, uh, guy goes like, "Oh man, we got this tape. This is evidence of a murder. I got to go to the police station. I don't know how to use a phone, so I'm just going to run over to the police station and tell mm-hmm. t- tell the the local authorities about it." And then the we law. we get we get introduced to the sheriff, who is this guy this actor who Mm -hmm. like apparently learned everything he ever learned about acting from like, I don't know, watching, uh, movies. So all his performances are just like, I know how to be a Southern chef and that is all I know what to do. So all of his lines are just snarls. Mm -hmm. Um, it's fantastic. And, uh, you start realizing like, Oh yeah, everybody in the town's in on this. And these poor (laughs) hapless Jewish people, uh, (laughs) and they're like, they're like being, uh, kind of like having the wolves pulled out of their eyes. Um, (laughs) And yeah, things kind of just escalate from there. There's more tapes that get deposited. Uh, There are more horrifying things, more brazen like snuff film attacks uh, by like the two Mm -hmm. lead guys. There's the fat guy, cameraman, and then there's like the Johnny Knoxville looking lead man. with Eli. Eli. Eli's Um, a scary dude. Yeah, there's like the one where he just ice picks this woman sitting in a car. And like I seriously was like expecting like, Hey, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and you're watching Jackass. And because he's got mm-hmm. the, the flaps that he's got in uh, The Last Stand with Schwarzenegger. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, this movie, I think, like, oh, the score in this movie is oh, awesome yeah. as shit. It is. It sounds it's like a very synthy video gamey kind of score, like like from Final Fantasy, like a good Final Fantasy. Um. The the gore is like kind of weird and unpredictable. There's some like even like I said, there's uncomfortable stuff with like ice picks mm-hmm. going through tits and stuff like that, and like real greasy in basement action. Uh, and then there's like unintentional hilarity with dudes getting porno tapes and like the shame <laughs> of like getting a tape at a store as everyone like looks at you judgmentally and they're just like you fucking sick freak under your under their breath going I don't know what you're going to go do in about twenty minutes you're going to be jerking mm-hmm. off I've never jerked off in my life and uh, yeah this mm-hmm. movie though. Uh, you get the, uh, I think the highlight for me watching this, uh, Chanel was also watching this and totally enraptured in it was the, uh, the vampire takes a bride, which is like this, like, yeah. kind of like fake, awesome. mo- this fake movie within the movie that like also is like, it's like these snuff dudes are trying to actually make a movie. And like, there's this like unintended effect that is like so good where they're using slow motion and like the use of the music kind of like accelerates and takes this turn. So good. Um, yeah, th- this movie uh, was a, 
a real pleasant surprise because sometimes with these, it's always a gamble. Uh, I have like a different like mileage when it comes to these movies. Uh, I've, I've, I'm feeling like a veteran of this stuff, but this is a, a pretty great example of uh, this type of filmmaking. And I think uh, it'd be a good entry point for people who want to get into this lo-fi shot on video horror stuff. Mm-hmm. But Orji, I'm aware that you also watched this movie. I didn't just watch this movie, J-Dog. I think I love this movie. Uh, I was amazed with video violence. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies I've watched all month. Uh, I was totally blown away by this thing. Um, for a lot of the same reasons that you were saying. So uh, just like bottom line, I think it's an awesome idea. It's so simple and effective. And I think in this, it doesn't come off like like goofy in any way. Uh, I, I love the setting where it's this uh, video rental store. And it, sadly, it's like this time capsule now because it's it's a thing that doesn't exist anymore and people won't experience it. Like, like what you were saying, where you're like, this was a thing that you experienced. And, and yes, I am 12, but I do remember renting movies. I rented movies all the time. Uh, and I love this idea where it's just like, people slipping in like snuff films to the back to the rental uh, house and a guy just gets it and it's like, what is this? And then it's just this super disturbing stuff. And it's like, Oh fuck. It's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, And I think, so I think you kind of said it where you were like, they're doing this really horrible stuff. And it, it, it's not like it doesn't come off bad. Uh, like what you're saying, like Serbian film type stuff, because uh, it's it's a playful and it's a little goofy, but I think it's super effective. Uh, like I was actually really uncomfortable watching those things, which I think is what horror is supposed to be about in some ways, um, because I think the quality of them and like what's going on, it comes off really sincere and it's super believable. Uh, where like like I was saying, Eli, Eli is a scary dude man uh there's the scene where they have the hitchhiker lady and they're filming it and eli is just talking to her and he's like we just picked up this hitchhiker he's like you know what eli does with hitchhikers this is wild uh and when i was watching it i was like could you imagine being in a situation like this where you have this guy because you know it's happened it has it has to have happened well okay so there's like uh the one case that i always think back to uh and chanel mentioned it too when we were watching it was uh no uh charles ning and leonard lake they were like Mm -hmm. legit uh like these serial killer dudes they were like partners and there's mm-hmm. like the one really like horrifying story of like uh these people ran a like uh like a, 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 a ad like a gg ad mm-hmm. for in the 80s or early 90s about like selling stereo equipment and they came mm-hmm. and then the people disappeared and it's like what happened to them and it's like all oh, the stuff's gone and it's mm-hmm. like oh they happen to them. And there's like, I mean, they've never actually released this video stuff, but like, oh, there's like strong suggestions that it's like, yeah, they murdered this like woman and her family mm-hmm. and videotaped it. And uh, so like, there's like that, uh, that vibe that you know that like, 
All it takes is like some sick fucks to like, hey man, all we gotta do is like videotape this, and then we can like make money. But that's never actually happened. There's no evidence of it. Like, because mm-hmm. these guys are like, well, what did they? What are they going to do with this? Like, you just like videotaped yourself killing somebody. They're like, what is the market mm-hmm. on this? Like, you're going to go to jail now. You can't like, yeah, we're gonna get away with this. And yeah, it's always kind of like the bullshit of uh, the snuff film. Is it's just like. The risk and Who's benefit the market of it for this. Well, it's so narrow. It's like, well, well how are you going to distribute mm-hmm. it? How do people find out about it? And it's like, I guess for like uh, squares like us, I mean, we're not going to be privy to this. And like, there's been stories of like Charlie Sheen being like, I've seen snuff films, and uh, back in the day, and like, I've mm-hmm. seen it. And then, of course, like the FBI have investigated for years and years, and like, there's never been evidence once of it. There's like been these like yeah. close cases of it, but yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, we're never going to watch those. But I will watch video violence. That's right. You better believe it. Um, but yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I think that scene is so effective because of the way that it comes off. Like, it, it, it's, it seems genuine. It's sincere. I think the thing that, like, stuck out with me most is the way he interacts with the woman. Like, the way he cuts her shirt off is oh, so, like... Cutting the nipple holes out. It's so, like... Uh, not like I don't I'm I'm not sure like the right way to phrase this like it feels it feels wrong watching it <laughs> it's just like I don't like that this is happening right now it's so uh what's the word for you know like when something happens to you and you feel bad about it <laughs> anyways uh so there's like that scene uh and then like what you were saying the cold open I think is like like it's it's so effective where you're watching it and you're just like, oh yeah, these guys are perverts, and then it goes to a next step, and you're like, holy fuck! Wow, that, you're like, what's going on? That that baseball bat swing into the curtain is fucked because mm-hmm. he's like goes right for like where her head would be, and then she comes falling out into the blood and stuff like that. Her like struggling on the floor. It's like, whoa! <laughs> and then it like has this total change of pace where it's like, then it flips from that to like, uh, the guy's looking at the camera as he puts the obviously fake head into the pot of boiling water. Oh, and like, I love it. It's like so like this movie has these like crazy swings of tone, but it, like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it it all is like a it works together strangely. It enough. does. It's like when they're deli slicing up an arm, <laughs> uh, and it's just like I actually kind of like this because then in the next scene you get a lady ordering deli meat for real, and it's in the same deli slicer, and you're just you're privy to things that uh, the people in the movie aren't. It's like what Hitchcock always said: a ticking bomb isn't scary. It's when uh, you know it's there, but other people don't. Or some something along those lines. So uh, I think I actually think those scenes are like super effective. And uh, I wrote in my review, I was like, I think that hitchhiker scene is better than any Rob Zombie movie, any Robert Zombie movie, or any Eli Roth like bullshit that I've ever seen. Uh, this movie does what those guys only dream about, um, because. It actually, I think it actually works. If you can get past like the film quality and the actors, I think this is a super, super well done uh, horror movie. Uh, because yeah, like the actors, they're not great, but they're all trying. And if you can kind of just get over that, uh, I think that there's a lot about this movie that you can actually take take out from it. So uh, I don't know, like. I, I think video violence is really good. Like there was a lot of stuff I really liked about it. I took a lot of screenshots. Um, I don't know. It's I liked it, man. I was uh, very surprised by this. And uh, it's like you were saying, this is uh, what Creeptober is all about, man. Finding that diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of 
lot of chunks <laughs> to work through. There's a lot of shit out there, but uh, yeah, I was uh, I was genuinely surprised by this, and uh, I think it's great. I think everyone should watch Video Violence. Are, are, you, on, are, are you on board to check out Video Violence Part Two? Hell yeah, man! I'm gonna watch all these this guy's movies. I uh, I just feel bad that there's people out there like Max Landis that get paid millions for their stuff, and uh, <laughs> not this guy. So the one thing that sucks that I'll mention too is that I guess there's the the way this is available on video right now is that somebody mm-hmm. edited video violence and video violence part two into one movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like it completely edits out like a lot of the charming like bits. It's, it just cuts to all the gore parts. Like it's like a best mm-hmm. of almost of like the two and you're like, nah, man, you gotta let it play out. You, you can't just like, cause it tells like, cause like part two just follows up where video violence leaves off with like, yeah. um, what's her face now in charge of the video store and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so much to like about this thing, man. Uh, like you said the score, the soundtrack is awesome. And, uh, yeah, the vampire takes a bride or whatever that thing is. Yeah. Oh man, it's awesome! Every every part about this comes together. It's wicked. That dude's ponytail. Who doesn't like a ponytail? Come on. So we could put some. Yeah, there's some. There's some styling in this film. Lots of sweaters. Lots of sweaters. But yeah, Eli's a Eli's a scary dude, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he is like a he's got that Henry vibe. Oh yeah, yeah. he is a scary dude. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I might have more to say. I can't remember now, but uh, I think video violence rules. Yeah. I feel like I, I you should check out uh, the, the Henry H.G. Lewis, oh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's uh, 2000 Maniacs. Because it's like, it's film and it's very different. And it's like, it is like very campy, but it was like, for its time, it, these movies, movies, those movies were like bloodbaths in their mm-hmm. era. Like complete, like cartoonish blood and stuff like that. But they're crazy. And like, it's like kind of old timey uh, hillbilly horror. Yeah. Um, uh, Apparently, it's already on my watch list. Well, there you go. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, RJ? I'm going mm-hmm. to say we're done for this installment. That's probably a good idea. As we're here now two and a half hours deep. I, um, yeah. yeah. I, I think, think I'm losing my voice. Yeah, I think so. You've talked through. You don't have a, a nice uh, tasty beverage beside you to, uh, um, to lubricate. Quelch. Yeah, lubricate. I like that word. Uh. Yeah. Well, good night, folks. Creep it real. Uh, you'll hear from us again very soon. Um, we'll be talking about ghosts and stuff and people telling tales and trying to be better people while being garbage. Um, mm-hmm. 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 On. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll hopefully do one more of these uh, for the second half of uh, October. Creeptober, yeah. baby. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that. Time to keep watching movies, though, I think. Well, we should go watch some movies, I guess. I guess. Got to talk about another, like, 40 again. Jesus. What do we do to ourselves? The lumberjack mans of the world. I'm a wolfman. Wolfman, you mean? Wolfman. Wolfman?